You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you where we're going to talk about Superman and Lois. Not Lois and Clark. I keep making that mistake. It's Superman and Lois. <laughs> but yes, that's what we're going to talk about. But first, let's meet our cast for this week. So first up, you know her as our queen of cosplay. That is my lady wife, Beth. Beth, how are you doing? I'm surviving. How are you? <laughs> so so why are you just surviving? Because it's too hot and I'm a baby. <laughs> I, I swear sometime in the last like year and a half, my body has just been like, hey, it's it's over 60 degrees. Time to just die. Yeah. How did you ever survive in South Carolina? I don't know. <laughs> But I had heat stroke as an adult, so maybe that has something to do. No, with. that is true. Yeah, 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 you did. Yeah. Um. So, so I thought you were going to bring up something else when you're saying you're just surviving. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, the last time I was on, I mentioned that I had surgery again on my ankle, which you know that's still a thing. Um. So I'm still not walking on it. I think I have like what is it a week and a half more? You're better at timelines than I am. Uh, uh, is it is Friday, so it is in fact two weeks until you hit six weeks because this is the day All of right. the surgery. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> two weeks. Thank you for being smarter than me. Um, in the meantime, I'm going stir crazy because HR and my doctor can't decide if I should be able to work now, even though I totally can. Uh, I actually went bowling the day after my surgery. She did. I bought her one of those really fancy knee crutches where you can just put your, you know, your leg, you know, you just put your knee on it. It's basically like a peg leg that starts at the knee. So she's perfectly mobile and can move around and do whatever, you know, somebody that can use both feet can do. But yeah, um, although to be fair, it's your doctor's office, not your doctor, because your doctor's been on vacation for two weeks. Yeah. And, and they and they are too leery of saying that you can do something because then they might be liable. If you hurt yourself, so yeah, of course. So you know, yeah. cover their own butts and deny me two months of a paycheck. That's cut. That's nice. <laughs> two so, weeks, huh? Been, two weeks. No, two months being out. Six weeks. Well, no, anyway, but I mean, but it's two more weeks than you would have normally. But okay, yeah, yeah. It's not fair, right? <laughs> so I, I've been trying to keep myself busy with like sewing projects. I've taken on some commissions because I can sew with my sewing machine. I can drive. I have left feet. They work. Uh. Why'd I say they? That's weird. <laughs> anyway, so my project for this evening is not a sewing thing because I've run out of hand sewing stuff. I'm actually working on a diamond dots kit. It's the Van Gogh design. And this Starry Night by, by Van Gogh is my favorite art piece like ever. So that's what I'm working on. Okay. Well, it's good to have you back on the show, Beth. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was weird in your delivery. <laughs> it's like, all right, moving right along. 
hi <laughs> i don't know if you were trying to imply something with that so i'm just gonna move right no. on <laughs> no. all right so next up uh, yeah you know him as the guy that absolutely loves comics uh, he also runs a podcast of just talking about how much he does, and that is my buddy Eric. How are you doing, Eric? Eh, about the same as Beth, because uh, New England weather is uh, just as miserable as uh, as where you guys are. So, <laughs> did you get hit by the hurricane at all? Uh, just just water, <laughs> just okay. a little rain. Sure. Yeah, I think closer to like oxford or auburn i think i heard something about some trees falling down but nowhere mm. near us so well that's good so yeah i mean what's been new and exciting for you um this is a valid question <laughs> nothing new and exciting other than a couple new comic day uh strips here and there we've been mostly on schedule we missed a week there but uh that was because chris's schedule so it is what it is he had family visiting so he pushed back by a week but it happens <laughs> all right well i mean at least you're doing this show so i mean something great's happening for you it's true i just had uh russ on last episode to talk about because he just did a um Oh, wow. What do you call the uh, kind of book where it's telling the, like that, you know, that Saturday Night Live book that tells like the, the history of Saturday Night Live through, uh, through everybody's perspectives. Mm. I forget what you call that specific type of book, but he did one uh, that, that just came out for uh, Josie and the Pussycats, the, uh, the early 2000s awesome movie. <laughs> Uh, some very familiar faces that uh, nerd culture loves, mm. like Rosario Dawson and Alan Cummings, are both in that film. <laughs> yeah, no, I've seen it. Love that movie. Beth he just did whatever kind of book those are called. <laughs> he has the uh, the audio book and the um, the audio book is launched, and the uh, the uh, digital uh, copy have launched. I think I saw he posted something about having physical copies up too so or just getting the physical copies so i'm excited to read it but <laughs> i'm gonna wait until i have my physical copy all right well very cool and it is good to have you back on the show eric always good to be here my friend all right next up we have one of the newest members of the 42 cast cast he is a doctor and he is somebody who also really loves superheroes and that is tom tom welcome back Hola. to the 42 cast whoops let me consider my uh, my Vulcan salute. <laughs> yes, live long and prosper. So, uh, yeah, what's new and exciting for you, Tom? Uh, we just finished our first week of classes. Yay! Mm. So, uh, our president, who's uh, who was hired January of twenty, right before COVID, is an mm. actual MD. So, our our COVID protocols have been very uh, have been very comprehensive and very helpful. So. Um, they've lifted many of the restrictions from last last year mm -hmm. so you only have to wear face masks in certain places on campus and uh they got rid of the sneeze guards which evidently didn't do any good anyway but <laughs> they made people feel safer and they cost a lot of money mm -hmm. so and i am now instead of just being a professor of communication and media studies i am the interim chair for the department of communication journalism and public relations <gasps> <laughs> wow very cool yeah oh days my dog wants to see y'all so okay who's the dog lover out there she oh i am 
Okay, see, she can tell you're a dog lover, so she heard your voice and got oh. very interested. She put her kibble down to start pestering me. No. So, Daisy, this is the gang. <laughs> hey, Daisy. <Like> camera. <laughs> She's scanning it like a Cylon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I've always been a dog person, although uh, it's our cat now that has adopted me as her pet human. Um, but generally, it's dogs. But, uh, but in this case, the dog actually prefers Beth. And, uh, now the cat. that she's seen you, she's content to play with her toy. Yeah. <laughs> the, the dog and cat ploy all went according to plan because the dog preferred me and I was like, let's get him a cat. And it, it's exactly how it went. She, she's crazy for the man. They play fetch together. Where she's she does the fetching. I should I should elaborate. This is a cat. <laughs> yeah, the cat, you can't be sure, can you? How well has she trained me? <laughs> no. <laughs> but yes, I, I can get her to play fetch with me. Um but <laughs> Uh, but anyway, yeah, like today when I was working, she like crawled up on my shoulder and was nuzzling my face because she didn't like that I wasn't giving her attention. So that's that's, that's how she is. Um, but uh, but yeah, so <laughs> that's great, though, Tom, that you've got good COVID protocols in place because uh, we, we, we just had a vote here at the school district uh, where we live over whether or not they were going to make kids wear masks. Thankfully, thankfully the you know intelligence prevailed here and they did make it that everyone that goes into a school year has to wear a mask but originally you know the thought was oh it'll just be optional just whoever feels like it and it's like well in that case they might have well nobody you know wear a mask <laughs> yeah but uh but yeah anything else uh going on since the last time you were on no uh not really just uh i went to megacon for uh i was there the whole time I was in Orlando the whole time, but their programming was really thin this year because a lot of people backed out. So mm -hmm. I really just did uh, activities for the Saturday. And I wanted to read, I, I don't usually like to pay for autographs or photo sessions, but Ray Fisher is worth it because, mm -hmm. you know, he's a real hero. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it was a little, you know, it was good to see some people, but. <laughs> It was definitely, uh, you know, a pandemic year. The dealer's room was very small and, you know, the lines were long, but uh, there weren't a lot of guests there. So I I'll be interested to see what Dragon Con's like le next week because I have about half my usual panel host load. And I think half of those are fan panels versus actor panels. So mm -hmm. we'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting to hear what people say about that because, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been kind of, uh, you know, like a lot of different news and people, the things changing constantly. And so it'll be interesting to see how Dragon Con, you know, like how everybody feels about it after it's over this year. So, um, but uh, but yeah, it's good to have you back on the show, Tom. Thanks for having me. All right. And finally, you know him as the guy that hates Pluto. And that is my nemesis, Ryan. How are you doing, Ryan? Well, you know, I'm I'm busy putting up a board of pictures of Pluto and stabbing them. I guess I, I think that's what <laughs> I you probably put it past you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the dog or the planet <laughs> or yes. the former planet? The planet. <laughs> no. Well, the thing planet. Ryan doesn't regard as a planet. Yeah, I mean, it's a planetoid. You know, it, it, I would give it that. I mean, but yeah, that's whenever you want to do a podcast about Pluto, Nathan. Just, <laughs> <laughs> you get your buddy Neil. Yeah. agree to come on the show my bff yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you arrange a pluto podcast i'm there and oh, I may okay. even think for it <laughs>
<laughs> but uh come on it's got a heart on it ryan you can't hate it <laughs> i don't hate it you seem to think i hate it i just acknowledge its insignificance in the cosmic uh thing <laughs> i don't even i don't even think about it enough to hate it no. <laughs> nice all right so yeah ryan how have things been going since a few days ago when you were on the show well okay so you know uh, currently work has me doing some training i'm in new york mm. at the moment by the way i'm only a few blocks from the hayden planetarium where neil works but, you know, <laughs> that's not here swing over and say hi yeah, exactly but um as you know the other when we did the podcast uh for the flash um i was in the middle of a hurricane and you know i was just talking to you know home and new orleans is getting hit uh, Sunday with a hurricane, assuming it doesn't. I mean, I, there's a 50 50 coin toss that'll turn left and head to Houston. So, right. I don't know. I mean, I figure it's just hurricanes have it out for me. Yeah. Well, some, someone's trying to tell you not to go to Dragon Con. It's like, <laughs> if you weren't already convinced not to go to Dragon yeah. Con this year, like you're being told, like, don't go to Dragon Con. I, I did. Year. I did manage to, uh, as a matter of fact, yesterday, get a buyer for my room. I had a non refundable room at the Marriott. And thankfully, uh, that's good to hear because I heard you say, or I saw you see, say that, like, they, they were not going to let yeah. you, like, defer they that. Won't. I mean, I tried shaming them and everything. Like, for Hurricane Harvey, when that drowned Houston and the airports were closed, Marriott was not going to get, well, a hotel was not going to give me my money back. And, you know, I shamed them and said, hey, you're going to really not do that for people who can't even get there because of a hurricane. And then they said, oh, they, the Marriott said no. But then I went to the the brand, the chain as a, a whole, and they're like, oh, no, 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 we'll give you, don't worry, don't worry, we'll give you your money back. And I did. And so it's kind of, I mean, come on, COVID, you know, it thinks mm-hmm. there's a surge, Atlanta hospitals are full. I figured, you know, they would change their mind, but they didn't. They were holding fast on that one but um yeah i managed to find someone who picked it up and um but i was worried there because there are people out there who are selling like their full price rooms for half off or or even like two-thirds or three-fourths off just to get something back i mean if you need a marriott room you can get one for pennies on the dollar uh, right now in the dragon con groups and it's kind of sad but um you know somebody uh, <laughs> some all right so somebody on my feed posted like last week like who's going to dragon con and i had to just restrain myself from posting a picture of covid19 <laughs> <laughs> in reply to that yeah. i like i'll tell you who's going to dragon con covid's coming to dragon con <laughs> i wasn't nearly as good of a person i actually posted a gif of a plague doctor being like mm. you know hi see you there yeah. <laughs> i mean i you know it, it, the reality is if it was just me, I'm stupid enough where I might still consider going, but I've got too many friends and family in our group with health concerns. It's just, it's just not worth it. So I'm going to be really sad, but I will watch a certain Howard the Duck panel um, when that goes live. <laughs> right. Well, and that's the thing. They do are at least doing that virtual membership this year for like, what, like 10 bucks, 12 bucks, something really cheap where you can watch all the video programming. On well, I, th- I think I, I think I get that with my, mem- I had to double check. Oh, but that's right. Yeah. You already had a membership. So yeah. 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 But I'm saying like even somebody who like, oh you know didn't yeah. didn't even buy tickets this year because they were worried that like they could buy like the virtual membership and it's like it's like 10 bucks you know yeah. so it's like it's really cheap and you can just watch the video programming so um that's Probably. an option so yeah you can you can watch me <laughs> on the oh actually that one's going to go on youtube actually gary and joe are putting those on youtube just under the american sci-fi classics channel 
during the con. So that yeah. one's not an official Dragon Con panel. But I'm also on like, I don't know, half a dozen Dragon Con panels with various tracks. So, you know, by the virtual membership, you can see me <laughs> talking about stuff like Captain America. And, the Fal- and actually, Tom, that's where me met, right? Because it was the, yeah, it was the Falcon and the Winter Soldier uh one so yeah did that one and several others so um anyway anyway but that's not what we're here for (laughs) (laughs) that's an entirely different love story (laughs) (laughs) all right but uh yeah so um you know uh, if you've watched the show before you know it's time for the five minute controversy this time not really a controversy because anytime there's a marvel trailer you know i kind of put a pause on the controversy just to say like let's talk about the marvel trailer so we got our um spider-man no way home trailer uh just a few days ago and so just again really brief we cannot talk about this a long time just reactions to the trailer um so let's start with you on this one eric i i get a kick out of the fact that um that uh, like oh crap someone t- someone you know has the big attention quick we had to release the trailer finally oh get t- attention because cm punk came back to wrestling anyways <laughs> Obviously, they they don't really correlate, but you know he's a huge comic book fan, so it's even funnier that you know someone will be like, "Quick, finally give them what they've been asking for," because we only have three and a half mo- three and a half months before this movie's supposed to be out. But very simply put, that laugh. The second I heard that laugh, I was grinning like a moron because I knew every, like I knew all the rumors about everything else that we saw that was teased. You know, like Electro and Doc Ock, and you know how we'll be getting some variation of the Sinister Six. But I was, I read the rumors about William Defoe, but I didn't. I it caught me off guard because I was like, there's no way they can get they can get the foe with everything going on. You know, like you have a, all the COVID restrictions and everything, and he's kind of getting up there for age. Obviously, he's not old, old, but like he's getting up there. So I was thinking, it's like, there's no way they're going to get the foe in this big blockbuster, even though obviously they got Melina. But it's like the second you hear that laugh and see that pumpkin bomb, I'm like, holy crap, they did it. The foe's back. <laughs> and and there's, there's um, screenshots that have leaked that uh, there's uh, of him and it's kind of like obviously like pixelated but if you look really closely he's wearing the classic goblin costume mm. i think they're going to give him the mask too i think they figured out a way to finally do that mask properly but that's all conjecture and hearsay until we finally see it on the screen but you can tell like <laughs> obviously we didn't get andrew garfield or or toby but i think they're coming just as long just as much as everything else that we've seen and i'm I'm beyond hyped to see this thing. Uh, the people comparing it to Spider-Verse, I think they'll be disappointed because I don't think it's going to be uh, live-action Spider-Verse, but I think I think it'll be fun. I'm really excited. We're only three and a half months away from this thing. Sony finally did right. I feel so bad for Kevin Feige because, you know, you can, you can imagine he's just like, oh, I got to promote the ones I have full control over because Sony gets a call when anything about this thing leaks. Hmm. Yeah, I wasn't too surprised about the foe just because I know that the Flash movie got Keaton. And so I figure if, you know, 
the Flash movie can get Keaton during COVID and everything else, then I'm pretty... Because there was some question at one point that Keaton might back out because of COVID, and but they still got him to, to film stuff for that. So I was like, they can probably get the foe for Spider-Man. But the thing that I saw online that made me laugh was people... It was a joke article about the Emperor's chuckle at the end of the No Way Home trailer. <laughs> you know, Palpatine. <laughs> Just like in the... Uh, the trailer for the rise of skywalker <laughs> and i was like no way home is going to enter into multiverse of all disney properties can converge yeah. and i just thought that was a funny idea of just thinking the emperor just shows up in the middle of no way home it's like it is you who are mistaken about a great many things <laughs> that'd be great but anyway all right um tom your thoughts I loved it. Um, some of my friends were less than enthused that Doctor Strange is going to have a very strong role in this movie. And they're like, can't Tom Holland be given the opportunity to carry a movie by himself? It's like, Tom Holland probably doesn't care because he just wants to keep making these as long as he can keep looking like a kid. So, uh, and of course... fifty's the number to beat, Tom. <laughs> Seth is your senpai. <laughs> the... Uh, you know, Doctor Strange casting a spell to make everybody forget Peter Parker is like, well, what could possibly go wrong with that? And there's already speculation that the arm of the attorney we saw is belongs to one Matt Murdock played by uh, Charlie Cox. So uh, I hope I hope that's true, but I guess they don't want to give us everything at once. But and Alfred Molina pretty much, I don't know if he didn't sign an NDA or just didn't care, but he pretty much spoiled his involvement in the movie months ago. It's like, yeah, pretty much picks up where I left off in the last movie. <laughs> so, but the no, The interview that he did, he said he, he was like, I'm, I'm, I'm old. What are they going to do? Uh, what are they going to do? Sue me? <laughs> like, I'm paraphrasing, but that's pretty much Tony what he said. Would. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just thinking about the Keaton interview where he's just like, I don't know what any of the words any of these Marvel people are telling me. Me, I know who my character is, and that's it. He's he's apparently the only one not in this film. (laughs) Yeah, that's another conversation we need to have though, because of the film that he is in. But anyway, but yeah, Tom. Yeah, (laughs) anything anything else about the Spider-Man trailer? No, I'm I'm excited. I I posted it as soon as I you know, releasing it via Twitter initially was you know lots of fun because you know Twitter's just great for high res images, <laughs> <laughs> but I guess they had to counter the uh, the unauthorized leak from Sunday and right. I guess it's on YouTube now. So it was all the buzz with all my nerds at school. One oh, that's of cool. Us, one of us. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's cool, though. Yeah, it's uh, it's good that Marvel movies are bringing us all together, you know? Because <laughs> those of us who grew up reading Marvel stuff, it's like, it's still great, and, like, young people getting into it. So it's like, you know, we're all, we're all watching Marvel. Um, all right, so, Beth, your thoughts? I was afraid you are going to get to me eventually, because I watched it, and I was just like, okay. Okay. I this is fine, I guess. Okay. I really had I really had no strong feelings at all. Just like, okay, so this this movie's coming out. All right. I mean, I didn't have any spoilers or anything. I just saw the trailer and was just underwhelmed, I guess. I I really don't know what to think. I haven't okay. been told. All right. I'll tell you after this. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Ryan. 
Oh, I loved it. Um, you know, obviously, uh, what my biggest complaint or my biggest problem with uh, Far From Home was the after credit scene, the, the reveal that Peter Parker was Spider-Man, and I hated that. And I was like, I felt like they'd really painted themselves into a corner with it. And then it's like, oh, we're doing, what is it, Brand New Day um, with the twist. And I was like, okay, I can see, I can see where, where we're going to go with this. Uh, uh, so I thought, for one, I'm annoyed at myself for not thinking that that's what they would do, but uh, blending that in with like the multiverse and everything. So I love that aspect of it. And I love the fact that, and it took me a little while to realize what it was, um, but Black Widow was set in the past and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the Eternals and Shang-Chi are all new. So this is a return for me to like the MCU, the current, the present MCU. So it's, it's kind of funny that um, Far From Home was the first post-Endgame movie. And then this would be the very next one in that same universe uh, with an existing character at that time period. And it looks like it's picking up like literally the instant right after the end of a- uh, Yeah, the, the line gets fuzzy now because of the Disney Plus shows because we've actually had WandaVision yeah. and Falcon and the Winter and Soldier Loki. and Loki. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's the first movie since yeah, Endgame and, or, or since Far From Home. Um, so yeah, it is kind of interesting that Spider-Man carries the next two movies in chronologically with the characters that we know. Um, yeah. Oh, the only other thing I want to say is I can't see how they were going to it. <laughs> you kind of broke up there, Ryan, but you just said that you can't see how they're going to fit Mephisto into it. Yeah, well, well, the, the, wait there that. are people saying that Doctor Strange isn't really Doctor Strange and it's Seriously. Mephisto masquerading as Doctor Strange. Give it up, Mephisto files. <laughs> the other one that I've heard is that actually it's a variant of Doctor Strange that is doing this on purpose. Um, but, you know, so, so yeah, I mean, I'm going to say this. So, so a couple of things that I want to say really quick. Uh, one, uh, yeah, it, it's it's a problem. It, it's it's one of those things that just in the nature of the MCU and the fact that we have movies, none of these characters are going to be solo after their first outing. It's just all of them have been that way. Iron Man two had Black Widow in it, you know, as a major character. You know, like they all are doing crossover movies now. You know, like Ragnarok had the Hulk as a, as a character with Thor. It's just like that's the thing. They'll establish a character in a first movie, but if there's a sequel, they're going to partner them up with somebody. It's good and bad. We want that shared universe and we want these interconnections. But because of that, they don't have the time to give these people like just solo stories unless Disney Plus steps in. And so that's kind of the nice thing about Disney Plus is we can still maybe have some solo outings for some characters like Hawkeye is going to have his own show, you know, that will, you know, won't bring in, you know, a bunch of other heavies. Um, But uh, but yeah, the other thing, though, that I do want to say is. I'm a little leery of the Doctor Strange portrayal, even though I don't think he's a variant or Mephisto like masquerading as Doctor Strange. I felt like we're doubling down on what he was like in the first movie, even though by the end of the movie, it was supposed to have been he had gone through a journey, realized he should read the warnings after the spell. And, you know, it seemed like he had gained a maturity with that and and some humility. And now it seems like he's just back to... I'm a smart guy. I can do whatever I want. And I was a little like, mm. but we'll see how it's actually done. I mean, we only have like a few second snippets there, but I was disappointed that it seems like he's just like a chaos MacGuffin in this movie rather than, you know, being a, a far more mature character. It's like, if you look at him in infinity war, it seems like he's become a much more mature character than he was in his own movie. 
you know, watching that scene where he's casting a spell, I, I just had uh, Magician's Apprentice vibes. You know, he's the wise old wizard and Tom Holland is Mickey Mouse running around uh, uh, trying to get, uh, pick up all the brooms and everything. Um, it's just and messing it up. So I, I don't know that it's strange so much as Peter. Well, but still, like Wong <laughs> tells him not to do it and then he's just like, Wink. And that's why I said if this movie ends without it was Agatha, because that's the one thing I'll accept if it's Agatha masquerading as Doctor Strange. I'll accept that if we get that ending with it was Agatha all along. You know, that'll be great. But anyway, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they like, what does this mean overall, other than the fact that there will be a multiverse available for shows you know, in movies going forward. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they work with that. But um, I'm yeah. kind of cringing over the idea of a multiverse. And I don't, I can't really tell if I, if I fully <laughs> separated it from the idea of I had to watch Loki to get to this point. Oh, <laughs> you're just being harsh tonight, just, Beth. I don't know if it, if this feeling is just because it's linked with Loki or if it's just the general uh, idea of a multiverse being thrown in. I just, I'm not feeling well. I would think it's because you've been watching those CWDC shows that haven't really handled the multiverse well, and uh, you know that might be where kind of your problem is coming in. But we're not fair. gonna, we're not That's gonna, fair. we're not gonna go down this rabbit hole. That could be its own podcast. Um, but <laughs> Multiversity. But uh, but yeah. So um, we'll see how Spider-Man, you know, No Way Home goes, and we'll be talking about that. Uh, sometime in December and the episode should drop in January because guess what? I'm actually caught up on movie podcasts now. <sighs> Woo! All right, but anyway. <laughs> All right, that's that's it for our five-minute controversy this week. Uh, now uh, we're going to talk about Superman and Lois, uh, but first we're going to pause for a promo from another fine podcast. Hello, I am the monster of the Monster Sci-Fi Show. You may be confused, but I am the superior version of the monster. And not just some variant. Much like me, this podcast is burdened with glorious purpose. I'm here to say this podcast delivers timely sci-fi and pop culture news plus movie and TV commentary reviews. In the end, is this not simpler? Subscribe to the Monster Sci-Fi Show. It's sci-fi. From a certain point of view, the Monster Sci-Fi Show is part of the ESO Network. And we're back. And like we mentioned, the show this week is about Superman and Lois, which was a new show that we got on the CW this year, uh, spinning off a tire. Tyler, you know, I should have asked Alex Garfin when I interviewed him how to pronounce Tyler's last name, but I totally didn't think about it. It's Hoechlin, Hetchlin. I've heard both. I don't know. One I've heard of those. Hecklin. I'm sorry, say again, Tom. I've heard Hecklin. Okay, Hecklin. So let's go with Hecklin, because that's the one Tom is saying this week. <laughs> you know, I had somebody on the other week that was saying it was Hoechlin and to go with that. And so I, I'll just go with whatever somebody tells me on the episode I'm in until I get the official. Um, but yeah, until so Hecklin, he comes on to correct you himself. That's right. No, yeah. Tom, yeah. if you're if you're, uh, you know, um, um, watching this, uh, Tyler. Come, Tyler, <laughs> Tyler, I'm sorry. 
Yeah. Great. Okay, I, I Tyler, just if, you're, if you're watching this, you know, or listening to this, if you come on, you know, I'll, I'll talk with you and we can, we can, uh, we can talk about Superman and Lois. I just looked it up on Google. Evidently it's Halklin. 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 Okay, so does not even conform to the basic rules of pronunciation. Nice. All right. That's the English language for you. <laughs> it's probably not the English language. Yeah, it's probably like Swedish or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's okay. I knew lots of Polish people in South Carolina, so I know about last names that don't that don't sound like they're spelled. So um, anyway. All right, so uh, Tyler Hauklin, um, and and you know he was on Supergirl several times, was in the uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover, and they spun him off into his own series. So one of the things about this show um, that I feel is kind of unique, especially for Superman, is that we are seeing an older Superman with a family, um, and so I'm just 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 with that initial setup. You know, how does everybody feel that that has been, you know, for the show? So, uh, Ryan, why don't we start with you on this one? Well, you know, I feel like it was a risk. Um, I, I, I think I think there's this mentality uh, among producers and executives and, and, and focus groups that anytime you have anything with kids, especially anything from like zero to 10, you know, that's risky. Um, like yeah. after that, maybe it's a little bit better. Um, so it was a risk, uh, but I think it's one, but they also, on the other hand said, we got to do something different. We've, there's so many, Superman has been told so many times in so many different ways. We've got to give this one a little bit of a twist. So we're going to say he's a dad and we're going to say he's a dad of twins and, you know, twin boys. And, you know, they're going through puberty and powers and high school and everything. And so, uh, I think it was a big risk, but I, th I think it's one that pays off. All right, Beth. I am totally in the same camp as, as Ryan. Oh my gosh, I'm scared. Um, but it's, I think it also kind of filled the void that black lightning left behind mm -hmm. having a, yeah, having like a, a family superpower sort of thing going on, but still different and unique on its own. And I know we're going to get into this later, but the writing just just sells it. It makes it just so perfect that I I am drooling for more of this show. All right, Eric. I think Superman is great when it comes to uh, having a family. I mean, comics wise, Jonathan Kent is easily one of my favorite characters, especially like especially going on right now with uh with him being Superman. <laughs> but um, no, it's it's really great to see to see Clark and Lois have to bounce around the family life, but then have him throw on his cape to go deal with something that could pretty much end the world. And, you know, seeing, seeing the different things explored as soon as the uh, boys are old enough to kind of like put two and two together, they have to admit the truth to them. And I mean, that's the through line through the show is like the honesty and juggling both heroics as well as the family life and it's really really well done here i'm done i was honestly surprised by how well done it is all right and tom i absolutely love it back in the 90s i had a conversation at comic-con in san diego with the late hillary j bader who wrote for uh, superman animated among other mm. things and she she opined that she thinks it works best as a love triangle between two people, you know, is Superman, Clark, and Lois. 
And she was against, you know, them being married. And I countered with this character is 50 plus years old. We need to move him forward into the, you know, the late 20th and now 21st century. Uh, I was a little annoyed at first when they decided to make have twins instead of just one. I can see why they did it. It, it does make sense. I kind of wish they would be more canonical to the comic books, but you can't have as much drama on the CW if you only have one kid. So, uh, but I do like both of the actors. Mm-hmm. They're both quite good. But no, I, I think this is the best thing they've done on the CW since like year one of Arrow or The Flash. Yeah, I mean, as far as series that they intended to be on the CW and were always conceived of as part of the CW, I would completely agree that, yeah, I mean, the first season of The Flash, the second season of Arrow, to me, those were like the two greats before. And then there's this. Um, I think Stargirl is also of really high quality, but that was not conceived as part of the CW. That was going to be part of their DC Universe streaming service. So that that only lasted like a year. Um, Aside from... I would say Legends of Tomorrow, CW can nail the first season uh, for for a show. You mm-hmm. know, it's just it's after that, you know, that you kind of wonder. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and so you know, that's that's the thing though. This this show has really taken me by surprise. And like Beth said, you know, I mean, Tom, we talked about how this season of Black Lightning was somewhat disappointing, you know, this last season. Um, But thankfully Superman and Lois was on that kind of like helped ease the pain a little bit because it did again, a completely different context, but it's doing that family superhero drama again. Um, So, you know, a lot of that stuff that I had found so compelling in black lightning transfers to Superman and Lois kids are younger, you know, um, you know, it's, it's rural, small town America instead of a very deeply urban location, but we're dealing with a lot of the same themes and sort of ideas that Black Lightning was dealing with, with just the idea of generational superheroes and legacy and things like that. But it's nice to see also the differences between them. And yeah, I have been surprised by how maturely this show is written. And, you know, it's no lie, because even though I watch Supergirl, you know, I have been critical of its writing and and it's a fairly immature series. It is right. Like Ryan, you've 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 mentioned before that you expect Kara to bring out one of those like little diamond pieces of paper things where it's like, do you like me? And then you like to you know, do the thing and look at like which number, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then it's like, <laughs> oh, like, oh, you like me. Wow, you know, like that's like the sort of level of the writing on the show, even though these are supposed to be adults, you know. <laughs> well, we have one of those in the widening room anyway. Like which one? <laughs> Sure. <laughs> yeah. At least the flash running room, but yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, um, you know, I mean, yeah, again, as a show that spun off of Supergirl, I was just amazed at how well it's written and how, yeah, how real, you know, because I mean, people like always are like, oh, you don't need reality when you're dealing with superpowers. <laughs> but I always countered that with that the characters still need to feel like you can create any weird physics you want to to explain a guy that can fly around and take bullets without getting hurt. But if these don't feel like if they don't react to those situations in the way that it seems like a person should act, you know, then it's still you know, it feels wrong. It, it doesn't, it's not as engaging. These characters feel like a mom and a dad. These kids feel like real kids. They don't feel like TV kids. You know, um, um, Jordan 
uh, especially. Um, and, and by that, I mean the character Jordan Kent, not the actor Jordan who plays Jonathan Kent, which is confusing. Friend of the show, Alex, and I talked about that when he was on. Okay, that's the last time I'm going to plug that. All right, but <laughs> you can go back and listen to that interview. Um, but anyway. Um, but There'll yeah, be a link Jordan, in the notes. <laughs> yeah, Jordan's, uh, you know, dealing with um, depression and anxiety issues feels really real. You know, like at least in the first few of it, it seems like he he gets to dealing with it fairly well, but there's also a lot going on there. And 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 I think that we're not done with that yet, or it doesn't seem like we're done. It seems more like, you know, just like with anyone's mental illness, you know, things sometimes are harder to deal with, easier to deal with as you go through life. And and so I think we're gonna get back to that. But at least those yeah, initial is- few episodes, it felt very real, like I I I've seen this sort of thing before. It's um, that small town life. fresh air. That uh, Smallville's fresh air. That just right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that 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 might have uh, have an an influence, but uh anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so um, I'm going to address the other elephant in the room um, really, really quick, because, you know, I, I think the family side of things and we all kind of agreed is a real strength for the show. You know, as we progress in the series, um, we find out that what we thought was, you know, the story of a billionaire and a land grab turns out to be a story of Kryptonians invading the Earth. Original. Yeah. <laughs> so, um you might recall, if you watched Supergirl, the first season of Supergirl was this exact same storyline. <laughs> I mean, not exactly the same in everything, but like it was the same idea, Kryptonians invading the Earth. We also don't address the fact that in this universe, there's an Argo city floating up in the sky that is full of Kryptonians. And never once do we bring up the fact that Supergirl is there. And hey, if you need help with Kryptonians, maybe you, you might want to call Kara. So... <laughs> I'm just kind of curious how do you guys feel about the kryptonian angle like did you feel like it was something overplayed did you feel like the fact that this is supposed to be a shared universe that it was also kind of odd that they didn't play into the shared universe aspects of that at all um let's start with you on this one tom yeah that's a, that's a known weakness of this show i mean and, and what really exacerbated that is when Diggle comes to visit and it does not pay off whatsoever. It's just like, ooh, I'm going to do guest appearances across five of the CW superhero shows that won't pay off. It's just like fan service. And I go, I'll direct a couple episodes too. That that was disappointing. Um, It's really strange, especially since it is clearly in the Arrowverse, Mm -hmm. but Diggleverse. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that's right Fair. since since Fair. since oliver queen is dead it is now the diggleverse <laughs> so it, it it just really seemed it was a little disjointed especially since we have the um we've seen an evil superman in in you know in one of the crossover episodes i forget which one so when they you know in the first episode they lean into oh you know in this other earth superman was evil and that's why this mysterious black dude in a suit of armor has it out out for for our superman um so that was a little clunky Mm -hmm. all right um ryan what do you think about the kryptonian angle um well my my thought on this is 
is actually that they were kind of in a tough bind, right? Because it's difficult to do Superman without Lex Luthor. And mm. so they had to go into it without, I mean, so if you can't do Lex Luthor, then you do Zod. Well, we don't want Zod either. So, uh, you know, so they, and, 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 are at a Morgan edge, but crisis. So we can redo him. We get a reboot on mm-hmm. that. Um, so I think they, while I agree, it was not original at all, at least not in the context of the Berlanti verse or the Diggle verse. Um, it obviously this being the first season of, of Superman and Lois, it worked. This, this is as close to uh, a CW show that you, with, with the possible exception of black lightning that you can, or Stargirl, that you can watch in isolation. Uh, without any connection uh, to any of the other shows. Um, so, yeah, I kind of just had to roll my eyes and go, God, they're doing this again. But the flip side of that is they're doing it again, but they're doing it well. So, fine, <laughs> you know. Um, that, that's kind of how I feel when they retread, reuse any, recycle any storyline, is you can recycle it if you do it well. If you recycle it and it's crap, then you're just wasting my time as much as anything. So here, I felt they honestly probably did it a little bit better than did it. It worked for me. Hmm. All right, Eric? There are two things when it comes to the Kryptonian stuff that I actually really did dig, though, because I'm I'm pretty sure most people uh, can understand why when it comes to name-dropping the Eradicator, why they didn't go with some Yahoo dressed in uh, Bret Hart's sunglasses uh, from the 90s. <laughs> and instead, you know, had it basically this really interesting program that, uh, that transfers Kryptonian uh, personas into human bodies. And then obviously the, their powers activate upon being in those bodies. But I thought it was definitely a fun nod to, uh, to uh, some classic Superman mythology and just name dropping Eradicator that way. Instead of, like I said, the weird nineties sunglasses of being like, Oh, here's this dude. He kind of looks a lot like Superman, but he's not. <laughs> and then I really actually like uh, Morgan's um, backstory. I actually, I really found that interesting because i think it's it's kind of almost inspired by a very deep cuts elseworlds where uh superman where clark uh crash lands in crash lands in um in the civil war era instead of uh instead of it's an elseworld story so crash lands during that era of uh Mm -hmm. um of um history instead of you know modern history and i thought you know because i think it's on the british side as well because he ends up doing something oh you mean revolutionary war yeah sorry revolutionary war my brain was (laughs) um but no it's 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 these really interesting and then they kind of take a very tiny bit of uh of what they were playing with um Back in around 2011, 2012, in World of New Krypton, they kind of played with that a tiny bit as well. So they're taking they're taking a lot of really interesting um, Superman mythology without flat out adapting it completely and taking it in as a full on adaption and just kind of taking bits and pieces from here and there and there and just kind of throwing it all in the blender to see what sticks. And I thought, I thought that was a really interesting way to, to take things. And I mean, one of the, one of the best scenes I think in, in the whole season is Clark getting a moment with his mom. I mean, it might've been, might've been with her using his, 
his uh high school best friend's body but but it was still really really well done i thought that was one of the strongest strongest um scenes in the whole in the whole first season easily there is something about that woman that plays Lana that, yeah, it just every time that like she's with Clark, like, like, I, I don't know she and Tyler have some great chemistry or something. Cause I'm just feel like, Oh no, let's not go down this route. Like he's going to be like, we still have feelings for you, Lana. And they start making out. Like, I know I'm they wouldn't sure. do it on this show. Cause like the show is totally not that kind of show, but it's just like, I think it's going to happen because they've got some great like chemistry uh, with each other. I'm, sh- I'm sure you're going to get into it, but but she knows, right? Like she's just playing, she's just playing dumb. They don't full on go into it, but she knows, right? Like <laughs> she in in most in most of the takes on Superman, both comics and adaption wise, Lana has always known, or Lana has figured it out. And here she's just playing willfully ignorant. Like that's that's what I think. Yeah, but I think I think I think in other interpretations, typically Clark lived in Smallville longer with his powers whereas in this version it looks like he got his powers he knocked out a few bad guys and then left the next day like that's like what the flashbacks made it seem like so there wasn't a lot of time for her to put two and two together whereas you know in other versions he was you know using powers in smallville for a you know longer period where she could be like clark was always near these weird events like doesn't it you know like and then superman appeared as soon as he moved to metropolis you know like you know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um but yeah beth uh what do you think about the uh, kryptonian angle on the show i'm glad you repeated the question because the conversation has wandered so much i actually forgot <laughs> thank you for that um i think it was i mean we've dealt with kryptonian so many times in previous iterations of both superman and supergirl and all this but i feel like this was a a, a different take on doing kryptonian invasion where it wasn't just Hi, a bunch of Kryptonians are actually here. They they survived and everything, and they're just gonna like blow the place up and move here instead. No, this was actually more more secretive, more sneaky, and and actually really terrifying, like like invasion of the body snatchers kind of thing. I really wish they had played that angle up a little better because I don't feel yeah. like that terror of that was like capitalized. It's only when you been. think about it. Which, right. I mean, yeah, if, if you're gonna think about it, it is. A terrifying thing to consider where you look around and you don't know if people that you've always known are still there's just that one episode where they're all in the high school watching the show and then they get up and look like you know like like other you know like their eyes are glazed that's the only time i think like they really capitalized on it um yeah like but i think that was wondering is kyle one isn't he one Mm. Initially, it was supposed to be like this, this, this land grabbing thing, like you mentioned, when it was actually more like the land of, like they're taking people, not the land. And so it was a different take on how to invade. You take the people, not the place that the people are living, which Real is more estate. psychological and freaky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh... Man, all right. I, I expected at least a little more support on this one. And frankly, I don't think this series needed a big bad in the first place. I was happy with the story of, you know, Superman and Lois moving to Smallville. And, um, you know, just he might fight crime, you know, episode to episode. But I didn't really feel like we needed an overarching villain or any of that. Because I felt like the story that I was really engaged in, which was the story of like the first five or six episodes, like got put on hold and we never got back to it. Because that was what I was more invested in. I wanted to know about, 
you know, like how Jordan and Jonathan were adapting to life in Smallville. I wanted, you know, to know how, um, you know, Lois and Clark were adapting, you know, like Clark's working on a farm. Lois is writing for a small town paper, all that stuff. I was like the real life drama was for me, the like the better part of the show. And then it was, it was just like, there. it didn't go away. It was still there. I know, but it kind of gets sidelined really heavily. I mean, they, we don't really talk about a lot of those issues anymore because they're too busy dealing with the fact that the town is possessed and the military's everywhere. And, you know, it kind of, you know, becomes that becomes the stuff they're talking about and dealing with. Um, I mean, yeah, there's a little bit with like, you know, Jordan and uh, not Jordan, Jonathan and like the girl that was trying to pump him for information. And it's going to end up being a flash crossover of some kind because she said her dad was like put in jail in Central City. So, you know, that's going to come up Uh, (laughs) now. It's like, who is the like, who is her dad? That's the villain that's going to show up. It's in season two in Smallville. Um, But um, but yeah, like so for me, it just kind of felt like I didn't need Kryptonians. It was a clever concept, you know, because you're right. Usually if we get Kryptonians on Earth, they're just Kryptonians. So the possession angle was new. I just didn't really need Morgan Edge to be anything other than Morgan Edge. You know, just let him be the second rate Lex Luthor. I mean, it it didn't need to be more than that. And I felt like we've done Kryptonians so many. I feel like Superman works best as the last son of Krypton. I don't like bringing in extra Kryptonians on, and it gets Supergirl's already screwed the pooch there. But it's like, if we're going to ignore Argo City as they did, then ignore all the other Kryptonians too. Just pretend he's the last Kryptonian. (laughs) Just let it go. And so, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just... I don't need more Kryptonians, um, but uh, anyway. And if they were going to have a big bad, I would have preferred it be anyone else in Super. Like Ryan said, it's got to be Lex Luthor or, or Zod, but I don't really feel like that. Like bring in Metallo, bring because post crisis Metallo can be a new character. He doesn't have to be the one from Supergirl. Bring in you know anyone, literally anyone. The the Brainiac, Brainiac. of this timeline, right? Because like we have Brainiac five from the future, but there's a Brainiac here and now somewhere. Bring him in, you know, like some. Something like I don't know anyone else. Oh, you use a use a magic base villain, throw everything completely off. You could do that even. So I mean, yeah, I don't. Because that's I a just... Superman weakness is magic. Yeah. So right, no, I I am well aware. Um, you know, uh, you can bring in Doctor Fate as a guest star. I don't know, but um, yes. so so yeah, <laughs> I I I was a little down on the Kryptonian side. I felt like the second half of the season I was less engaged in than the first half. Um, but I, I will say, uh, I will say, while I think they did well with the Kryptonian angle, I did not need him to be uh, Kal-El's half brother. That was just I, what yeah. was the purpose of that? Uh, what more drama? Isn't yeah? It, it was so they could have that cliffhanger where he's like brother, and then yeah. it's like that's the end of the episode. <laughs> that that just for that one line. That's, that's the only reason. Because, yeah, he could have been literally the son of any Kryptonian scientist that was like, I came up with the solution to the problem that your father was not willing to, you know, go with, which was, let's just take over another planet. You know? <laughs> <laughs> problem solved, you know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, God. And then you, you got to think about it. So how many different Kryptonian scientists? Like, so we've got, you know, um, Kal-El's parents saved him um Kara's parents saved her 
Um, we've got the people who sent rain to Earth. There are the pe- there's there's um, you know this guy whatever Roe um, who sent his Zeta son Earth. to Earth. Um, and then we had a whole city that was able to fly away from Krypton and save a bunch of people. So it's like really Krypton didn't make out as bad as everybody's saying that it did. I mean. It's like... <laughs> Yeah, it was a catastrophe, but it's like, yeah, we just like saved like half the population of the planet by sending them other places. <sighs> All right. Anyway. Okay. Um, so one of the interesting things we've kind of danced around uh with this show and sort of its initial, like how it was initially presented to us, is that we were told that we were getting an alternate Earth Lex Luthor. That was one of those like things that like originally was under wraps, but was leaked like in 50 different news sites that, you know, the guy, the mysterious character, the stranger was really an alternate Earth Lex Luthor. And so I knew that even before coming into the episodes, that first episode where they're trying to keep that reveal when it calls him Captain Luthor at the end as as, like a secret, I already knew. Um, But the interesting thing was the leak was not the whole story. And so we had the reveal later on that the character was actually the John Henry Irons of another Earth, which actually made things, in my mind, a lot more interesting. So uh, I'm going to start with you on this one, Beth, just because I'm I'm curious. Did you even know who John Henry Irons was? Nope. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> did you like the fact that it turned out not to be an Alex Luthor? Yeah. A lot has to change in an alternate reality for that also to be Lex Luthor. I'm just saying. Well, I, well, see, here's the thing. DC <laughs> isn't like Mar- like Marvel tends with its alternate Earths to be like one thing is different. DC does weird stuff like that. Like Superman can arrive in the Revolutionary War. Well, how does that happen? That's 200 years prior. But it's just like they just hand wave all of that like explanation of how you can have a universe that, you know, where that happened, you know, like so. So that's not unusual for DC to just be like they're completely different people, but it's the same character you know kind of stuff so um i don't know. like that method at all <laughs> it's not like sliders um you know it's not like uh, you know that so um okay um but uh so eric uh what how do you feel about that reveal and what do you think about that character you know how as, as they brought him through the series so i do have to correct you to start with okay Every single one of those news sites started reporting that it was going to be Alex Uther after the reveal. And I'm saying that because they 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 gave us the pilot early. They gave us that pilot episode early enough where the news sites got to the end of the episode. They were like, oh, we're getting an alternate reality Lex Luthor. Oh, we're getting a Lex Luthor. I, I read about it months before that episode even aired. I, I swear to you, it was the second the pilot came out. Nobody reported it before that. I, no, I, I I'm telling you, because I we even had a conversation because you were talking about him being the stranger or something. And I was like, no, he's somebody else. I'm, I'm telling you, like we had a conversation. Yeah, but that Facebook. happened. I swear that happened when it, after it came out. But um, but no. So funny enough, uh, since we are talking about John Henry Irons and how awesome he is in the show, we only... Uh, adaption wise, the only other time he's been in live action is 
Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> and that was a mid nineties movie, and it is garbage. It funny is enough, garbage, but it's garbage. Funny enough, not the worst movie I've ever seen in the movie theater. <laughs> Only the second worst movie that I've ever seen or in the, the movie worst theater. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. That's very true. But no, so like. We would we would see him on the occasional episode of Superman the Animated Series. Mm-hmm. Then he shows up on Justice League Unlimited like twice. I'm pretty sure he showed up on Static, and they did they did some fun stuff with him, you know, in the animated stuff. But this mm-hmm. is the first time we're seeing any any kind of pro- proper, I guess, adaption to a certain extent. Because this is very much, you know, especially towards towards the back half of the season, it's just like, oh, I I 100% see this guy as Steel. This is John Henry Irons. This is totally Steel. And I really like what they, they did with him. And the fact that that he and Clark kind of have to build their trust with each other. Um, he has to kind of acclimate properly to our version of Earth or they're the CW verse version of the earth. And it's just, they do so much, so much interesting and cool stuff with them. And I'm really excited for season two, especially with the, uh, with the way that, that, that ending hit, even though I'm very paranoid about what they could be doing there, but uh, it's just, it's, it's really cool to kind of see a character like steel who, who I've loved. And I became a bigger fan of, um, thanks to stuff like uh 52 in because he was prominent in 52 and him and natasha actually were prominent in that series so it's really cool to kind of see a character who hasn't really got his due in live action kind of kind of hitting that point finally okay ryan um okay so i i have two minds about it uh i kind of liked the idea of this being a good Lex Luthor, like a Lex Luthor, a noble Lex Luthor, obviously a villain, or not a villain, but an antagonist, but in no right reasons. Because, you know, the idea has always been that were it not for Superman, Lex Luthor would have been the best of us. You know, uh, it was just always being in Superman's shadow that made him evil. So I thought, okay, this is a, this is a Lex Luthor who was right. All his prophecies about aliens and Superman paid off. And so I was like, this is, all right, I'm digging this. And then there was a reveal, and it's like, oh, and then I was like, oh, because <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, my Superman run, I began with Death of Superman, so obviously uh, I was there for you know Steel and all the other Supermen, and um, so I was like, okay, and I think because I read that, uh, I was able to appreciate it a little bit more. I think if I had never read that, I might have been a little bit more disappointed. But I was like, let's see where this goes. And the third thought about it was. This this just showed me how much Supergirl screwed up Guardian, you know, because it's kind of the same idea, but this it works so much better here. We're gonna give you know our super character a side, not a sidekick, but an ally who is nothing more but armor and a human and a brain, you know, and it just it's night and day difference. And um, I think the distinguishing factor there is like you said, a brain. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe. Yeah. And a lack of camera. <laughs> yeah. <Aww. laughs> 
<laughs> All right. So if anyone doesn't know the joke there, I, 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 when, when Supergirl season two hit and when Jimmy's camera gets broken and he becomes guardian because his camera was broken, I was like, yeah, like Bruce Wayne loses his parents and becomes a superhero, but Jimmy Olsen just needs his camera broken. And a friend of mine posted like the arrow intro, but took out like, you know, like the five years, like after my camera was smashed, I had to become something else. Somebody, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I, I've been kind of down on Guardian since the beginning. But anyway, I'm sorry, Ryan. No, that that's really about the whole of it. I mean, it was just, yeah, I could, I would have been fine with it being a Nobel Lex, but uh, I think having John Henry Irons is perfect. If he shows up, I mean, I'm, I'm this close to saying give this man a spinoff uh, mm. of his you know, CW show or something, or get him over on Legends or whatever. Just, I want more. And that, that's a plus. With When Jimmy moved to whatever small town Jimmy moved to, I was like, thank God. About <laughs> time. You know, but this guy is like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I want him and his camper. I want a road trip show of him just driving around in his RV, you know, across the country and just pining over the lane. Oh, my uh, God. That. Yeah, that because that's be what epic. I've been... That's what I've been lamenting is like, I mean, because all I love shows with arcs and with the, you know, big bads and all that. I want something like the A-Team or Knight Rider where it's just the guys wandering from town to town, solving a problem and then moving on. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> the 70s Incredible Hulk. Yeah, the 70s Incredible Hulk is another great example of that. Yeah, like, we don't do those shows anymore, but that would be that would be great because I think that'd be a great character to, to do that with. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so Tom, uh, what do you think about the reveal and, and what oh, they've dude, done? With I the loved character? it. I've, I've costumed as Steel before for a <laughs> Superman '75 uh, group at uh, Big Wild Comic Fest years ago. So now I was completely down. Um, boy, they have some really exciting possibilities for next year because you basically have <laughs> you basically have <laughs> two family units of which Lois is the mother for both. <laughs> so when when Nat sees, I mean, and it looked like Jonathan was kind of crushing on the footage of her too. So it's like, uh, okay. <laughs> oh, all right. I hope we don't go there. You can't date your sister from an alternate topic. Earth. That's wrong. We we leave that stuff with Barry and Iris. Okay. <laughs> I mean, <Seriously>. like... <laughs> no, but it was. Um, I think it would be cool if they could work an S into his costume for season two. Mm. Because Steel, uh, you know, many ver- versions of Steel's costume have had an S as a tribute and respect, but I was glad that the two guys were able to forge, <laughs> forge a friendship uh, throughout the season, especially with the edict from, you know, if I get out of control, you know, take me down from him, from Clark, as well as from Lois. So, but no, the actor is terrific. Uh, the, the fam, I mean, all the acting on the show is really good. Um, so uh, I, I want to say a word about that. Bitsy Tulloch was in Grimm. And she was one of the reasons I hate, stopped watching Grimm because her character <laughs> was written so poorly. And I don't blame the actor. I blame the writing. But a, a, a good buddy of mine from college said, is this the same woman? Because he noticed the same thing. And it proves that good writing and direction can make actors look great. And uh, you know, aside from the fact that she uh, 
she told fandom where to find the exact pair of glasses that Clark wears on the show. <laughs> so I went to my optometrist and got some. <laughs> nice. Uh, I totally nice. believe the relationship between Clark and Lois, and that's the key, and between Clark and Lois and the kids. Because if that family unit did not work, the show was would be dead on arrival. Mm. But it does, because they're cast well. And we, and we got to see their chemistry before the show. I'm sure that's one of the reasons why CW decided to take a chance. Mm-hmm. I personally think if they had real cojones, they would have killed off Supergirl in Crisis and then started Clark, Superman and Lois then. But they don't have real cojones. <laughs> well, well, yeah. And don't get me started on the lack of death of Barry Allen, too, which is something that the show has been advertising since episode one. And I'm like, and you went through crisis and you didn't even. Be- oh, well, we brought in John Wesley ship and called him Barry Allen, you know, even though in this for, you know, since saying that he's the one 90s. from the 90s. Yeah, the 90s Barry Allen. We killed him off. So that works, right? Right. We should do a podcast about that. (laughs) (laughs) Might have already done one. Um, But yeah, so Ryan, you were trying to say something earlier. Yeah, I just want to like I will. I just want to jump in and defend Juliet's character or the the character of Juliet and Grant. (laughs) The writers knew. I think they had something wrong there, and they totally revamped or retconned the entire. Well, not retconned, but re. You'd have to watch it. It's a very grim twist. But they did something to her last two seasons, which kind of uh, made her interesting and worth the uh, problem is many of us had stopped watching by then. I know. (laughs) Um, All right. But yeah, I mean, as far as my thoughts, um, yeah, like Ryan, I was kind of intrigued by the possibility of an alternate Lex Luthor, but it just never seemed to me like as I was watching him that he felt a lot like Alexa. Other than the fact that he knew details about Superman like Lex Luthor would, you know, like it, it just felt like I don't even as an alternate character, I don't see why he's Lex Luthor. I don't see what about him is very Lex Luthor. And when they did the reveal that he was John Henry Irons, it was like, it was like a light bulb went off. It was like an epiphany. It was kind of just like, of course, like so much goes, you know, makes sense now. Even the flashbacks that they had been showing, which were shown out of context, it was more, it was like, oh, okay. So he's the scientist slash inventor that created the suit. And then, of course, okay, that makes a whole lot, you know, more sense. He's not the head of some big company or whatever. And and so, um, you know, I mean, they brought up the fact that he was making it for the Lex Luthor of his Earth. But, I mean, that 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 was interesting. And, of course, they made the suit. They didn't make it look like the steel suit. They made it look like Lex's armor that you've seen in comics and animation and even a little bit in Supergirl. He had something similar. And so, again, it made you think that. But I was glad to see that as the season went on, as he's rebuilding the armor and upgrading it, it's taking less and less of that look. And so I'm hoping that it eventually morphs into something that looks closer to the comic book version of the steel costume, even though I know they'll probably never go full comic book uh, with that costume. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the S shows up or, you know, some, some other things that make it look more like the, the comic uh, costume, but, um, but yeah, the character, very interesting. And, and, and bringing in that personal side of him having been married to Lois creates um and I think, well, there's two things there. One is I feel like they handled that super maturely, again, in a way that a CW show, it just doesn't seem should have, where she's, you know, kind of like, this is a little weird, but I mean, like, you're, you're a good person, you can hang around, but him kind of being like, yeah, but like, even though I know you're not her, 
there's no way for me to feel different about it because you are just like her. You know, the only difference is, you know, she met and married somebody else on this earth. And so like for him, that's really painful to be around her. And that's legitimate. That doesn't feel like somebody's bringing up draw or like shows trying to ratchet up some sort of artificial drama or anything. And I felt like that was a really awesome choice. And um, there's also though, just the, um, just, just, yeah. I mean like how there would be, the, the friction just with Superman, who he's come to expect to be a villain, uh, because on his earth, you know, like uh, edges, you know, thing actually happened um, and, and, and went the full way. But also because of the fact that he's jealous of this man that ended up with his wife. So, again, like the reasoning behind it makes sense, but then the way they handle it is mature. And so I liked that, that it didn't go up just to like, let's just ratchet up drama however we can. Uh, what were yeah. you trying to say, Ryan? Oh, just, you know, when you think about it, it's his own fault that his earth was destroyed by Superman because if he hadn't been there to get Lois, Lois would have fallen for Superman <laughs> and, and saved him. And, you know, so really he's got no one but himself to blame. For what <laughs> oh, that's awful. <laughs> but, um, but, but yeah, he, that's, it's true. He's the, the factor. <laughs> but, but then the other side of that is, you know, the role that he's been given is the role traditionally held by Batman, which is the, like, if Superman ever goes bad, you know, you're the one that's tasked with taking him down. And, you know, I mean, that's that's really interesting, too, that they were able to get there in a way this season that felt believable, that felt earned, because we saw that this guy, even with all his rage and all his, um, you know, lack of, of hope, because of how his world turned out was still able to restrain himself when Superman gave him a reason to believe that he could fight through this. And so that's the right person that you want somebody who's totally willing to take Superman down if he has to, but will wait until he's absolutely sure that that is the only way. And so that's, you know, that was really cool. And it was really cool that just in a 15, ep- I think it was 15 episode season. It wasn't, you know, a full season show that they were able to bring a character all the way there. And you don't feel like when you get there that it's like, oh, that just like, that's too quick. You know, like I don't buy that, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, great performances and great writing, I think, uh, on that. Um, also, when, when, when he asked, why me? When Superman was telling that he's like the backup plan. He said, why me? And I just yelled out into the room because there's no Batman. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> now I want hizzy Batman to show up and be like, because I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, uh, so, yeah, let's talk about the family because they're at the core of the whole story. Um, we talked about what we like about the sort of idea of the family, uh, but what about the actual like characters and the performances? We've touched on it a little bit. Um, so why don't you start us off on this one, Beth? Like, what do you think about, you know, Clark is dad, you know, uh, uh, you know, Lois's mom and, and all of that. I think everything that they did with the, with the core family unit was just, off the charts incredible like i can't think of anything that i I would have wanted them to change um the way that they had um clark being conflicted between you know it's it's a typical dynamic of of a father trying to provide for his family but also being there for his family it was taken an extra step beyond because it wasn't just 
his job, it was his responsibility that he was taking on to take to protect the entire planet. And I can't think of any other dads out there who fall into that category. So that was also a, a shift from the norm. So it was like cranked up a notch, but not in a dumb, awkward, awful way that, that these kind of shows tend to do. Um, and Lois was 100 billion percent just believable as a mother. Like the, the scene where she thought that Jonathan was dead her reaction was just 100% legit. As a mother, I felt that in my core and I started to cry just watching her react to what she thought had happened because she's already experienced the loss of a child. She had a miscarriage and even seeing her reaction to the video footage of um, Steele's daughter having the same name as what she would have named her daughter, it, it just compounded that, that guilt you feel when you lose a child, even when it is a... Um, a miscarriage because you feel like what could I have done differently and when she sees that she sees like the only I mean the same thing was there but it why didn't it work out for me this version of me so there's that guilt there's that that sadness about it and something like that you're never going to really get over um the brothers were amazing um you got the one with with the powers um Jordan the anxiety depression that was all very real it wasn't like okay, depressed kid, come over here and do your lines. It was kid who also has these things about him, but they don't rule everything about the character. Like you still see in some scenes, he's taking his medication. So the anxiety and the depression, they're still there. He's just in a position where he's able to manage it better. And that's completely realistic. It just, you don't just flip a switch and it's gone. You just have better days of coping than others. And that was that was done so well. I mean, I, I really feel like the writing team had some personal experience in all these topics that they just put out in one family, and it was amazing. And with Jonathan, you see his his jealousy over his brother getting all the attention. He's he's taking his place, air quotes, in, in sports. He's always having to lie for him and cover for him. He kind of feels, ba- you know, kind of nasty about that. And you see how he is coping with being the one without the powers, Whereas he's always been like the physical athlete and all of a sudden he's taken a sideline to his brother who's like always been a wimp. So you, there's so much going on, so many layers with all the characters and the way that they, they mature and they grow throughout the course of the series is just, I mean, I can't say enough for how, how great it is. It's just wonderful. The fact that Jonathan didn't become a villain at the end of the season because he's jealous of his brother is like, oh my God, like this is not a CW show. Yeah. <laughs> I expected it to be like the brother, like this is going to be the show about the brothers and their hatred of each other, that the one who was the cool one and the athletic one is now nothing compared to his brother. Mm-hmm. And they handled it like, again, in a mature way. I was like, oh my God, you're like, yeah, again, you see there's a little bit of jealousy there. There's a little bit of resentment between Jonathan and Jordan, but they're still two brothers who love each other and they're not going to let those things like get in the way of them like having a relationship and so i was so happy that they did not go for like the super dramatic you know like like a uh, way that they could have gone with that so yeah i i really was happy with the, with the i brothers. also really like the episode about migraines because with, <laughs> with gordon having like the, the laser vision thing happening and <laughs> brain like to split apart i'm like yes that's what a migraine is like well done (laughs) (laughs) all right um eric what do you think about uh you know the our main family i like in the back half of the season how it seems like it seems like oh yeah obviously 
obviously Clark's dealing with all the nonsense that he is and Lois is trying to bounce bounce everything she is, but it felt, it felt like suddenly becoming the worst because it's like every two seconds it's like the hell are where the hell are the boys at? <laughs> it's like they never know where the kids are at in the like last five or six episodes, and it it, it was funny at, at that point. But um, it's three a.m. You know, re- Do you know where your children are? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the major theme of uh, of what um, Jordan goes through in that last mm-hmm. that last episode, episode and a half. Um, but no, it's. It's as as Beth was saying. I think one of the more interesting things is the fact that like the fact that Jonathan's powers haven't developed yet because you know it'll happen. But uh, <laughs> I mean, we get a major sign. and he's able to uh, to pick up Steel's hammer. I mean, come on, C- come on. <laughs> well, maybe I, I think it'd be more interesting if they go the other because it seems like he's super interested in what Steel's doing. That you know maybe he's thinking that he's going to get tech to help him out so i don't don't know i mean we'll we'll see how that goes he's he's jonathan kent he's he's gonna gain his powers only a matter of when not not how or or where just just a matter of when but no what what i was saying is like he's kind of overcompensating and kind of goes foolhardy and brash especially towards the back half of the season not backing down from from threats that can like kill him with no issues whatsoever and it was it's really cool to kind of like see see that that brazen you know not ego wise but like the adrenaline fueled i'm going to defend my family at all costs coming out of him and it, it was really interesting to see that when you have jordan with the powers where you know you have you have his father with his powers and and jonathan's over here being like i might not have powers but i'll still I'll still beat you up the best I can because you're threatening my family. I, I, I love that about the character. I think that was really handled really well done. Um, and I mean, the Lois is fantastic. I think they've, they've definitely nailed a part of the character that we see, especially more recently in the comics than say we've been seeing in these adaptions over the last 20 to 30 years you'd never really see that parental parental um side of this or you know the 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 badass reporter jumping into things just as much as you know like the maternal side of her you don't really get to see that explored as heavily as especially over the last like i want to say five or six years like greg Rocca did a whole full-fledged um miniseries where we get to see Lois being the full-fledged not backing down from anything reporter and we've definitely seen we've definitely seen her more maternal side with with Jonathan especially now that he's become the the Superman for a little while um inside of uh inside of the comics you know you get to you get to kind of see that explored more in the in the live action stuff especially with this show and it's really great and I mean see more superman than we saw clark especially in the back back half of the season but tyler is superman tyler is clark tyler is superman i have i mean i love uh henry cavill eh, cavill is it cavill or cavill? Cavill, yeah. i always you know i love i love him as much as an ex you know as as much as i do of him as an actor but like you see him playing a part like uh the Geralt uh 
and you know that's his role versus you see tyler here and it's this is clark this is superman like no hesitation and i mean it's it's great and my like i i do like jordan's actor a lot but i would say especially in the back half of the season i feel like he got a bit too a bit too whiny at least for for me as as a viewer i know people would probably disagree with that and that that's cool and obviously i'm not attacking attacking the actual mental health issues of of the character because i think that was really well done but like when it's when it's every every five seconds um it seemed it seemed like especially when he's with um with he's with lana's um Lana's daughter. I felt like there was there was too much of a CW CW Riverside type of type of situation where it's like, can, can we get away from that, please? <laughs> and I will let somebody else talk because I've been kind of going. It's <laughs> fine. I don't know. I thought that they were cute, and I thought that that was a fairly realistic scene for like the kid who probably never had had a girlfriend before. And like, you know, for him to have his first girlfriend and for him, for everything to sort of revolve around, you know, well, I just want to be there for her and, you know, like all that. Like, I don't know. I, I didn't think that that was too much, but, you know, I don't, it wasn't a big part of the show for me anyway. So like I didn't, but I didn't feel like it hurt anything. So, um, Tom, thoughts on the family? Yeah. Uh, first, I'd like to make an observation. Greg Berlandi actually uh, co He's a co-creator of the show and he co-wrote the pilot. If you followed Everwood, his first show for this for the WB back in the day, there is more than a passing resemblance. The death of a parent causes a family to transplant itself from New York City to Nowheresville, which I thought was great. And what's really funny is Gregory Smith, who played Ephraim on Everwood, is a producing director on Superman and Lois, which is kind of cool. So, uh, and that's the show, by the way, where Chris Pratt got his big break hmm. playing uh, the older brother of uh, Agent 13, Emily Van Camp. So, huh. two nice. Marvel Universe actors got their starts in Everwood. Um, I really dug the family dynamic overall. I'm still not convinced, by the way, there were hints in the first batch of episodes that their power that that uh jordan's powers are linked to jonathan that's what i thought it was gonna be at first i was gonna be like they only have powers when they're together and when they're separate they're not but then we see jordan using powers when he's by himself and so it's like okay obviously that's not the route they're going but that's what yeah. i thought yeah so i was kind of disappointed that they didn't follow through on it it's like they could be the wonder twins <laughs> <laughs> that's not <laughs> but um no, they the family dynamic works. The actors are all good. Um, I'm a big fan of Emmanuel Shriki since uh, Entourage. She played the girlfriend of Eric, the manager. And so she's the Lana in this version. And then, uh, you know, obviously the little sister is disposable. It's like, where is she? <laughs> oh, she's oh, at grandma's again. Beth, yeah, Beth kept saying like, and then there's our <laughs> other daughter that we forgot existed. You yes, know? every <laughs> time she came up, I was like, oh yeah, she exists. You're, you're trying to make us forget because you don't want to remember about this child. Great job. <laughs> oh 
God. Poor yeah, kid. the second half of the season, she like appears like once or twice. And it's like, you know. <laughs> and it shows the three of them getting into a truck and they just make a pass and come. And oh, she's at the uncle's house. Right. <laughs> that was the grandma. Why? House. <laughs> the, um, but it was interesting. I really thought it was when they actually used the two families in contrast to each other, I thought that was kind of interesting. And it was spotty throughout. What's what's fascinating is they are leaning into that Clark and Lana were best friends in Smallville, but not that they were boyfriend-girlfriend, which is kind of a twist from earlier incarnations on screen as well as in the comics. I thought so. they did mention that they dated in this version. I think they did. Yeah, they did, but they made it sound like it was like uh, they might have gone on a date or two, but it wasn't like a hot and heavy romance. It was it seemed, more like they were friends who also went on some dates. Oh, to dance well, or whatever. He came back from the in the flashback. He came back from the Fortress of Solitude to ask Lana out, and she was on a date with um, Kyle. Mm. Yeah. So, but um, I thought it worked. I mean. It, it's interesting. I wrote a, a conference paper for the 75th anniversary that we've had so many different incarnations of Superman. Lois and Clark, Superman is a romantic comedy. We had Smallville, Supervillain is coming of age. Small or Superman is coming of age story. Man of Steel, Superman is first contact science fiction story. Here we get Superman and Lois as family drama, and they've done a pretty good job of it and dealt with some realistic issues. The episode where, where Lois is uh, talking to the psychologist and talking about her miscarriage, I found out my, my late, my late father was, uh, was a Navy chaplain and my late mother was an art, art teacher. But I found out during one of my dad's sermons that my mother miscarried between my two sisters. But I give them kudos for being willing to deal with some real life issues, such as miscarriages, such as anxiety and depression in teens, because those are serious issues that people deal with. My my, a lot of my students are dealing with things like that, especially in this freaking COVID-19, mm-hmm. oh, go away, please. But I give them kudos. I don't imagine any of the other CW shows dealing with any of these issues with such a deft touch and with with clarity and realism and i give them kudos for that yeah because i mean the normal thing in a show i mean not even just the cw but a lot of shows like this would be like you bring in an issue a real issue and you deal with it in the episode well a these are things that you, episode right you can't deal with the guilt and, and the upset of a miscarriage you can't deal with depression and anxiety in one episode right you can't just be like here's our very special episode and now we've solved the problem and you know so yeah i i again i i'm just I'm so surprised. I hope that this is a note of things to come from Berlanti shows on the CW that like this is not like in a vacuum and that any new ones that come out. I know Naomi is the next new one that's coming out, but like that basically as Flash and Legends eventually, you know, go away, like like that'll be like the end of the old wave and like the new wave will look to superman and lois as sort of the like the you know the um template 
that they pull from of, you know, how, what should be the tone of these, you know, like not template, like, oh, let's imitate, you know, like going from a city to a small town, but like, you know, that what it should be the tone of these shows and how do you deal with things in a mature manner, you know, and not trivialize like real life issues, but still have bring in the superhero action, you know, and, and I, yeah, I, I would love to see that be the shape of things to come. One more family member I haven't talked about, Grandpa. Mm. I thought of him after I stopped. I, go for it. <laughs> I'm glad they gave him a clear character arc for the season because he was working my nerves at the beginning, especially the time when he, when he yells at the boys for distracting their father. It's like, and, and telling them that, you know, the world needs him more than you do. It's like, dude, that's kind of a douchey thing to do to your own grandkids. It's, right, but you get the sense toxic. of who he was. No, but that's the thing. Yeah. It informs you who he was as a dad. He always put the job. And, you know, to be fair, he is a guy that very genuinely believes that he's protecting every. So, I mean, I'm protecting my family by doing my job. That's why my job is more important than doing any day-to-day stuff with the family. But, of course, from the point of view of Lois, who was the daughter that felt neglected, you know, like that, you know, that wasn't a good call because he neglected his family. And so it's interesting because it creates, I think, a very realistic depiction because, I mean, I can even say that I've gone down that road, not of protecting the world, but of like letting career get in the way of family uh, because, you know, you're trying to make money for your family. You're trying to do better. And you're thinking if I can just get that next position or whatever and get more money, then that's better for the family too. And I've had to take a step back from that just because of what I saw that it was doing. But I think that that's another very real thing of a parent losing their perspective of how important what their job is just being the dad, you know, or being the mom. But it's really interesting to contrast the three fathers on the show. Mm. You've got Clark, you've got Kyle, and then you've got Sam. And how different they all are in their parenting styles or lack thereof. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're going to get back to Kyle um, because I think Kyle was another interesting one. But um, Ryan, uh, thoughts on the family? Um, Well, yeah, just real quick. I I will say that... um, I also thought there was a connection. I feel like they changed, uh, maybe there was something in the writer's room. They changed mid-season or, or early on in the beginning of the season where they decided, because it really felt like Jonathan was like the battery to Jordan's powers. You know, he, uh, they, he maybe, I don't know how he charged up through the sun because they always had, like when they fell from the rafters and the arm and everything collapsed, they were together. Every time in the first few episodes, they were together. And I, I, it was pretty obvious. So I, I think maybe, and even when he took him, when Clark took uh, Jordan to the Fortress of Solitude for analysis in the beginning, um, he do, just took Jordan. He did not take Jonathan. And obviously, you know, hologram dad said, no, he's, he might have a bit of powers, but he's not really special. And, and that was that until he got back to Jonathan and then the powers came back. So I definitely thought that was where they were going. And I'd like for them to maybe come back to that. Cause I really think it's a good idea. And it gives you know, Jonathan, some more agency, uh, some more importance. Um, but this show is definitely about families. Yeah. You've got the, you got, you've got the, um, the Kent lanes, which yeah, from the general who Lois refers to as sir, which kind of, you know, tells you everything you need to know about their relationship, um, through, yeah. Uh, the Cushing's with Kyle, but it's also, uh, 
uh, Edge, Edge and his dad, Zeta Rowe, who, I mean, how is that not like a Greek fraternity? I don't know. But, um, <laughs> you know, and, and that's just the depiction right there of, and I've, I've said before, Clark's power isn't that he, he's from Krypton. His power is that he's had the best families in the world. <laughs> he had, you know, Jor-El and he had uh, Jonathan Kent and... Uh, Benetto Tool, um, all you know, raising him. Uh, Martha, how could you forget Martha? <laughs> it's what the name that makes people stop Martha. fighting. <laughs> the name that brings. Why did you say that name? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. If only he'd said that name when fighting Steel, it would have all. Been ah, fine, that's you know? I actually but, said that. I was like, "Say Martha, say Martha." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh no so yeah superman's power because pretty much every other kryptonian we've seen has been selfish or or at least not the best uh it's it's literally the values that superman or that clark was taught by his human parents that made him who he is it's got nothing to do with his kryptonian uh powers that, that's what makes him a hero in my opinion he'd still he would die immediately but he would still fight the good fight if he was purely human and never had uh any um you know young powers um but yeah so the show the family dynamic work as what was taught jonathan and martha you can see him trying to pass on to jordan and jonathan and to continue I mean, the patients have changed but same legacies the same lessons and it's, it's honestly it's just beautiful um to watch because he's struggling with it he's not he's perfect but you can see he's trying and you can see his even though he's pulled away to to save bridges in china or whatever that his heart belongs to his family and that's where he wants to be. And that's who, who he wants to be. That's the whole reason they went back to Smallville. Right. So that way maybe he can't stop every, you know, mugging or petty larceny, but he can still save the world, but then have more time with his kids. And mm -hmm. he put his family first. Maybe yeah, for there, the first time. There, there was a really interesting discussion that I hope they get back to. And, and you know, what they were examining in the beginning of that series was this question of, he has this responsibility as the parents of the parent of two children. But, you know, the thing that he's always lived with is, I mean, yes, it is the Spider-Man saying, but it is something that Clark does internalize. Even if he doesn't say the words is with great power comes great responsibility. If he's got the powers to, you know, save people in China, like from an earthquake and, and save the bridge or, you know, do whatever. He, he has a responsibility to do that, to do as much good as he can. And I like the fact that they left that very sort of morally like grayish while at the same time coming from a place of Clark, you know, being the optimist that he is and trying to do both in the best way that he can. And Again, like there didn't seem to be any right answers, but at the same time, we didn't get drawn into like the depression of, well, I can't do either one perfectly either, which is, you know, like, again, like a way sometimes these kinds of shows go. And so Clark as a dad is, is a really fascinating. And you, I mean, I, I mean, Eric said it, but like Tyler, oh my God, like this is the Superman I've been wanting. Like, I think I was too young with the Christopher Reeve movies that I never 
You know, like people, I know people who are like more like teens when the Christopher Reeves movies came out. Like that's your Superman. Like you just like instantly just go like, that is my guy, right? Like that's the reaction I see from people. I haven't had that live action Superman until now. Like this is the guy that I feel like, because I still feel like when I see Reeves, he's a little too campy. Um, But like, you know, uh, this version feels like he is a modern man but he has all of those best qualities that you want. And he's trying to like even help out with the football games and everything. And I'm like, Oh my God, he's just like the best dad. You would think that like, as well, I'm Superman and I've got to run this farm, you know, like he would be like, that's, you know, that's, that's enough stuff, you know, and then be at home for the kids and everything. But it's like, no, I'm going to volunteer. I'm going to help, you know, and just like being like the dad that kind of hangs out and does stuff. And it's just like, I love this man. I love this Superman. I love everything about like his portrayal of the character. I think he's great. Uh, Lois, we've mentioned uh, that this is the, like after we've had so many CW shows that are ostensibly about reporter characters, but they never actually do any reporting. It is great to see someone that's a character that actually that is like, that is her, her thing that she loves is to like get to the heart of matters to expose, you know, uh, injustice and corruption and and to do that through, uh, you know, the newspaper and, and, wow yeah the things i've been saying that iris and kara should be doing all this time you know and so it's like again great to see that and great to see alex had um you know a a really interesting statement about about um jordan that he has his mother's strength but his dad's heart and you find that interesting because you think about strength his mother's strength but that's what he's talking about is the fact that Lois has to be so strong when she deals with being the wife of Superman, you know, and, 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 and just how strong of a personality she has to be. But Clark is the one that has like, you know, cause Lois can get cynical, but Clark's never cynical. Clark is always the hopeful one. And so that's why it's his father's heart and his mother's strength. And I think that that was a really nice way of putting it. And, um, and yeah, the kids, again, I already mentioned that I love the fact that they weren't at each other's throats, that it didn't turn into the, I'm super jealous of you kind of stuff. And I'm going to, I mean, I, I might be the minority report on this one. I really hope that Jonathan doesn't get powers. I think that it's better. Like when she says like, we're the one, like when, when Lois has the conversation with him after he almost dies and there's that great scene between the two of them where she's, where she's angry. Like, again, that's what I knew, like how I knew it was so real because it wasn't the like hug the child and cry. It's the, I, I am so mad at you for doing something so stupid. She is so upset and torn up inside, but it comes out as anger. I was like, that was so real. But then it's the conversation she has with him that they, they, as the two, you know, human quote unquote members of the family, you know, like, like that they are, they're a team, they're a pair in the same way that I, that Jordan and Clark are a pair and, and like that. And I want to see that continue. I, do, I don't want they both kids to have super. And I think it actually makes for something a little more interesting for one kid to not have powers because of the dynamic that that creates. And again, I don't want to go to a super dramatic, like I hate you, but then what does Jonathan do about that? How does Jonathan deal with knowing that his yeah. brother can do all this stuff that's why i say it was interesting that he's always hanging around with john henry irons once he shows up because he's trying to learn 
you know, he's trying to, to, to learn the tech stuff and, and, you know, be part of that. And so again, I'm, I'm interested to see what they do with this, but I think, I think there's some more interesting stories you can tell without having both kids uh, with powers. Although I would have liked the, they need to be together to have powers idea. I think that would have worked really well too. Um, I think that's an interesting idea to have, but I think in application, it would have made it really difficult for, for Jonathan. I mean, for, for Jordan to even use the powers because if his brother's missing and he's in a jam, well, shoot. Well, know? I know. And then it gets into kryptonite territory, which is always my least favorite thing yeah. of whenever we want to create drama on a superhero show, we have to introduce kryptonite because it's the only thing that can make him weak enough to be hurt. And that's again, well, I'm glad that again, they, they not only introduce people who are in Clark's power level, but also introducing a family to introduce more ways that Superman can be hurt without you know just introducing crypt because i hate krypton i think krypton i like all the previous superman shows and cartoons that's why i love the 90s one though is that they came out with the anti-kryptonite suit the lead line suit that he could put on because i'm like finally and they had one episode with kryptonite where that was like the MacGuffin, and then after that anytime kryptonite shows up clark's like i'm going to star labs and then he shows back up with the lead line suit and it's just like <laughs> you can't do anything to me you know and so i love that um but um yeah i, I hate kryptonite um so uh you know i, I do want to talk about um kyle um and and his family but mostly kyle because i felt like that was another interesting choice typically you know and, and again i just felt like okay he's the town drunk bad dad bad husband you know, like Lana's probably going to kick him to the curb by the end of the season or something like where we're, we're going to be rid of this guy. But they decided not to go for the easy one. They decided to go for the complicated story, which, again, is a lot more real, I think, of a guy that wants to be a good dad and is struggling with alcoholism. And because there are these pressures and different things going on, like he finds it really hard to kick that habit. And so we get the mix of this guy who shows up at his daughter's recital and saves the day when Alex is the one that couldn't be there for her. But, you know, at other times he's neglectful and forgetful and just wants to stay. You know, I made the joke early in the season. He never saw a beer he didn't like, <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> you know, but, but that's the thing he's got, he's not that simple of a character, you know, because, you know, we definitely see that he is trying really hard. Uh, and I really liked that. Um, so thoughts on, on Kyle and his family, um, and, you know, even the non-existent daughter, if you have any. Uh, <laughs> Ryan, you want to start us off? Uh, you know, I mean, as far as the baby sister goes, I wonder if that was COVID-related. Uh, you know, they just, it wasn't, it wasn't necessary. So fine. Um, I, <laughs> they almost happy days during center upstairs and we'll never see her again. Um, but, uh, <laughs> the family in general, uh, it works, right? Like, like we're meant to hate Kyle in the beginning. Like this is the guy who brought Morgan edge into town. This is the guy who's been his biggest cheerleader. He's practically for lack of a better word, pimping his wife out to Morgan Edge mm. uh, for the town. Oh, and, uh, I had a hard time with that when he saw yeah. how what Edge was doing and was still like, like hey, totally but, cool. you know, <laughs> he needs you, so, you know. <laughs> when, good I job. I could not <laughs> on that scene. I was so uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. But then, yeah, I mean, they, they took it in an entirely different route. And maybe being possessed by an alien will change your outlook uh, on life. I, 
I can see where it would do that. So uh, they, he's had, I would say his character probably had the most character development from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, where he began as, you know, here's this guy, he's just a jerk. That's his sole purpose. He's, you know, the Morgan Edge cheerleader. He's going to be the one who, you know, Lana's going to realize how bad he is now that Clark's back in town and compare the two every day. And um, we're just we're just not making And I don't know, uh, Smallville, but I thought about Whitney, the character Whitney from Smallville, because it was kind of the same thing. You were meant to hate Whitney, but by the time he left Smallville, he was he was a good guy. Maybe not the best guy, but he was a, a stand-up guy. And that's how I feel about Kyle. Um, he makes mistakes, a lot of them, but he loves his family. And that that's that's apparent to the fact where like he was a fire chief, uh, but he was willing to just relocate his family because he was a pariah in town there there, there was no other choice it's like however great smallville is in certain ways they're super close-minded and it was the best thing for his family it was time to go so that's what they were going to do um lana is lana i mean she's she's a great character but i I just feel like she's i I don't know i don't think i don't know where they're going with she's an inherently good person but beyond that I, i just nothing about her really works it doesn't not work but it's just she seems simplistic yeah i'm glad they didn't have her throw i kind of was afraid they were going to have her throw herself at clark but she's kind of settling into that we were best friends role and so that's going to be an interesting dynamic to have clark be best friends with lana lang um as adults with lois in the picture i think they could do some interesting stuff with that um we'll see i don't know uh the last thing, last thing I'm going to say about the family, though, is, and this is a nod to uh, Sean from the Flash when we were talking on, on the Flash podcast, where anytime the CW has a Hispanic family, they got to, you know, throw some uh, Spanish in there. And I, I, I just cracked up when um, Sarah took uh, Jordan to that, the, the, that bridge on the private property or whatever. And she said, Yeah, you know, my abuela brought me here. We've been coming here for generations. You know, and I don't know why, but it just cracked me up. And you know, I was just thinking about exactly what Sean was talking about. And, you know, there it is. So if he's listening, here's another one for you. Um, <laughs> yeah, it did seem to come out of left field. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember that. Um, so, yeah, um, Eric, what do you think about uh, Kyle and his family? Now, uh, Brian covered a lot of ground, but I did think... One of the more interesting things that that Ryan didn't talk about was the basically two episodes where it's it's obviously he's facing his own demons, but the fact that the Kryptonian gets into into his body and then does the messed up stuff that that he does can tell how badly that affected him as character. I thought that was some really interesting character work that the uh, that the actor got to. Uh, get to handle and play with a lot and it was it was really interesting to see you had kyle and then you had this kryptonian whose name i'm blanking on i do think they they said the name but i'm blanking on it um but no i thought that was that was really interesting like i said ryan definitely covered a lot a lot of the ground of the character overall and i think lana was a great character over the uh over the entire season and it was uh their family dynamic was interesting, kind of, kind of seeing a uh, a demon and demon in the bottle kind of analog in the fact that you know you have someone actively trying to fight their addiction and failing miserably at it until they get to the until they get to the point that they're going oh 
I've done this to my own family. I need to pick myself up and clean, clean up my mess before I lose everything. And it's really, really interesting to see that explored in not so heavy handed way. And Tom? The thing that I thought was interesting about Kyle is basically he's this small town, small town guy who really has big town aspirations, the kind of person who, you know, it's not necessarily a get rich quick scheme, but he's always wanting to pull himself up to the next level and can't quite make it. So, and I thought that uh, the actor, Eric Valdez, did a really good job of making him fairly sympathetic, even though some of his behavior was, you know, out of bounds. Um, that episode where he's taken over and has that conversation with Sarah, the, the daughter, that was chilling. I mean, that was really, <laughs> I mean, again, I don't know that another CW show could have pulled this off as well because you really feel for her because she knows her dad has let her down before, but this is like totally not her dad, this creature in her dad's body saying these vile things. Um, I'll be interested to see in season two what they do with... uh, Somebody mentioned earlier about Lana knowing Clark's secret. In Silver Age continuity, Pete was the one who knew Clark's secret. And then when John Byrne rebooted in... uh, in the mid eighties, he swapped that and made it Lana knew the secret. So it would be kind of interesting if I'll be interested to see how they, if they deal with it and if they do how, and I'd also like to see uh, instead of that weird silver age rivalry between Lana and Lois, if we actually see a friendship develop between Lana and Lois, because, you know, it'd be great to see if the two family units, especially as Jordan and, uh, Sarah get closer if we see these families start to become, you know, like, hey, you know, picnic, you know, cook out of my place or your place next week. And the ramifications of that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I I haven't really read a lot of Superman comics, but again, I'm I'm big fan of the 90s animated Superman show. And that was the way it was when Lana shows up. She's just like, come on, Clark, you did all those crazy things in Smallville. And then Superman shows up as soon as you arrive in Metropolis. You know, it's like I can put two and two together. So, you know, uh, it was it was nice. You know, I always like it when characters you know, uh, uh, figure it out on their own and don't have to be told. And so, yeah, I, I, I do definitely like that. Um, so Beth, what did you think about, uh, Kyle and his family? I think the, the, the damage that was done because of his alcoholism was very genuine because you lose that trust between father and daughter and the father is supposed to be there for his, his children. Um, especially to protect his girls in a world like today. And he was never there for her. So of course she's got that bitterness towards him. But when she sees what's going on after he's trying to be a better person and try to put this alcoholism behind it, he's not taking any more drinks, but it's something else that's causing the problem that gives her um, a reason to give him another chance. So I really, I really liked all that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I again, was really happy to be surprised about Kyle and for it not to go, like, as simply as I thought it was originally going to be. Like I said, Lana, like, uh, Emmanuel uh, Shikri, uh, or if that's how her name is pronounced, I'm sorry if I butchered it. Like, her, her 
uh, you know, she is so charismatic and so good that I, and I could see that possibility of her trying to, you know, getting rid of Kyle and trying to get back together with Clark and all of that. And I was like, man, I don't want this, you know, and I'm so glad we didn't go that way. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, and Kyle turned out to be a far more nuanced character than I thought he was going to be. So props on that. And like, yeah, I mean, Sarah, again, like it's interesting you know, because she's obviously dealing with her own stuff, too, with her dad being an alcoholic and sort of being in an environment that's negative like that. And so but but I'm glad that they didn't try to make it like, you know, she and Jordan are just the same, you know, because it's like they are different, you know, um, and but they are also two people that sort of see in each other some similar struggles, some things that, you know, are you know, things that they can connect on and they love each other's company and so all of that. And again, so I thought that their relationship was cute. I thought that it was developed uh, fairly well. You know, they didn't go too fast with it, definitely in the season, but it also didn't feel like one of those things where they're constantly having the two characters be like, we want to get together, but something has come between us, sort of melodramatic, you know, stuff. Uh, it felt like when she was hesitant, it felt valid, you know, like all, all of that, you know, stuff. And then they're at the end of the season, they're together. And it felt like a natural arc that had the right amount of time for it. So uh, I was definitely, you know, okay with that. So I'm really interested to see where they go in the next season. Um, just because of the fact, like, like, will... Will I mean, because again, alcoholism isn't something that you just go like, well, we solved that problem, you know, <laughs> like this is something that Kyle has to deal with forever. And so it becomes, but does he actually do a good job of like saying, okay, well, I'm just not going to drink and, you know, and, and quitting and, and trying to, you know, do better, or is he going to fall off the wagon or, you know, what's going to happen with Kyle? And it'll be interesting to see like how they progress those characters and, and with their relationship with the Kents, how that affects that dynamic as well. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, so we're getting uh, kind of long here. So I'm going to ask my final two questions. So first question, um, is there anything that you really wanted to talk about in this season that we haven't talked about yet? Um, so let's start with you on this one, Tom. Anything we haven't talked about? Uh, just the no mentions whatsoever of Cousin Kara in... Or yeah. sorry, Car- Cara I mentioned that City. very briefly in the beginning because that's what I kept saying. It's like, hey, wouldn't it help if you had another Kryptonian here, Clark? You know? <laughs> to be like, fair, though, she was in the Phantom Zone for, you know, most of the season, but they could have at least said something. Like, oh, we tried contact <laughs> here, but... They oh. could have given her a shout-out of some kind, but really... Yeah. Or or maybe call a half dozen guys down from Argo City and, and let them get super-powered to help out. I mean, we've, we've got Kryptonians nearby. <laughs> I'm not bitter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but that was, that was what you just wanted to talk about. Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah. I thought that was completely ridiculous. That Kara was not even mentioned, and they didn't, they didn't, I mean, yeah, they synced up the timeline to just say, like, Kara's in the Phantom Zone, and that's why, but the problem is we saw those episodes where she got out of the Phantom Zone 
even though I know that wasn't their original plan to show it in that order. And so it was kind of like, so is Kara in? Is she out? I don't know. But yeah, they could have covered that very easily with they and, and the but, boys never ask about their aunt Kara. Well, well, I mean, you always get the impression that Carl or Clark's never told them about Kara. <laughs> like they don't know. Um, you know, they have a, a relative there on earth um on their dad's side uh but yeah um or even if but even if Kara was indisposed brainiac jean like any of those people like call them up and be like hey guys we can use some help over here no 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 no, no. Count, count your blessings we've gotten jimmy we would have gotten jimmy and guardian so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he's not doing anything we'll send yeah. him your way <laughs> He's running a small town paper, so you know, yeah, he's gonna. <laughs> All right. All right. Eric, uh, anything that you want to talk about this season that we didn't get to? I got two. Okay. Uh, the first one we kind of birched a tiny bit, but I do find it really fascinating and kind of cool that um, the General Lane and Superman relationship has been completely subverted. And instead of, you know, general lane hating everything about superman and just putting his foot down and being like lois you can't go anywhere near that man instead he as the as you know the the father that he that he is realizes in his own hubris oh my my um my daughter loves this man so let me put in my best effort and see if i can come to you know see eye to eye with the guy and it's it's great seeing the military relationship with with superman in this instead of instead of there being an opposition between the two it's very much we're gonna tackle this together i can give you advice i can be in your ear so you know you have the the second pair of eyes and you have the second strategy if you need it and you have the backup here if you need it and it's it's really really cool seeing that Mm. No, I agree with that. And actually, I was very critical of Lois in this series for how she's just like, how dare you have Kryptonian weapons or the weapons to hurt Kryptonians because that could only ever be used against Clark. And I'm like, how many times have Kryptonians invaded? You had the ones in Supergirl season one. You had rain. You know, it's like you've got all the ones up in Argo City that if any of them are bad, they could always come down. It's like, I think having weapons that could hurt Kryptonians is completely fair for the military to have based on the fact that Earth has been invaded in the back, but they don't bring any of that up but anyway <laughs> and my uh my second thought was the uh was just very quickly mentioning we have you know we have steve rogers and thor with with uh with a certain hammer having their moments and john goes oh no it's my turn <laughs> I really love that that one that one scene where he saves uh Lois and her uh camera woman from that one Kryptonian and just you know the fact that he's basically just able to pull the Thor put his put his arm out and hit the thing on his wrist to have the uh have have his hammer go flying like it was I thought that was such a really cool way to use uh steel's hammer that i don't think they've really ever kind of like approached it that way inside of the comics that's nice yeah no that's that's a good one all right beth anything you wanted to talk about that we haven't talked about um actually yes and i think you're probably gonna nod your head once i get up on this um 
bit of a soapbox. So on this one hand, we've got this show that really handles mental health well. And then produced by the same individual, we've got The Flash. <laughs> where they, they paint mental hospitals as being padded rooms and straitjackets, and that's not really what it's like. It is like a normal hospital room. You can go out and talk to people. You're not a prisoner. How are both of these shows produced by the same man? It's not the same showrunner, even though Berlanti is still like the one on top of everything. Like the showrunner is a different person for uh, Superman and Love. Like the person who's actually uh, in charge of like the day to day writing and making sure all the episodes make sense in the season <laughs> and stuff like that. So that's the difference. It's a sucky difference. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was kind of funny to see Danielle Nicolette like hyping that episode of The Flash this season about, oh, it's so good about depicting mental health when it's like, that 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 was not good. <laughs> no, it's not. It's the opposite of that. That was playing into a lot of really bad tropes and uh, and, and and stereotypes. Um, that, that wasn't great. Um, it was a so. throwback to the snake pit. <laughs> Yeah, it was yeah i so anyway. actually went on facebook and i wrote and just a tirade on that episode i was just so livid <laughs> yeah well so the, my final question is what would you like to see in a second season so eric let's start with you i would i would love to see um some more classic superman villains even though i'm mm. saying that and then my brain was just kind of like my brain was like nope <laughs> can't think of any other examples other than i was reading the the new superman and lobo miniseries and they used uh toy man in a really creepy way mm. so it would be interesting to i know once again supergirl another character that supergirl has already used and in the creepy way he's supposed to be used so it'd be it would be kind of redundant but it's like that that's one of the 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 toughest things you know about having the supergirl show go as long as it did because now we're we have superman and lois and we can have you know some of some of superman's stuff show up but it's like oh never mind a lot of this has already been used in supergirl so be, yeah kind of redundant so crisis could let us like redo some of them like i mentioned metallo but the problem is with some of the like the ones that i'd most like to see like redone like mickey spitlick has already been done post-crisis also and so it's like and i still have don't feel like they've redone like they've done mixie correctly and i would love to have them like and superman lois do mixie right but i think that ship has sailed it's going to be interesting to see if we can we can play around with some uh, cosmic side of things because I I do have I do have hunches about what happened with Natasha and why why she's showing showing up so late versus her father. Like I I feel like there might be something else at play and someone trying to use her against. Wasn't against it Natalie? Him. It's Natalie. It's Natalie. It Natalie. Continuity. Yeah, I. I went comic book. <laughs> That's why my brain so used to say it. I like Natasha's, okay? <laughs> well, I had a worry. Like, I was like, Natalie's going to show up 
But just before her Earth was destroyed, like Edge downloaded a Kryptonian into her. And it's going to end with everybody like, Natalie's here and everybody's happy. And then she's going to like reach up and like grab somebody by the throat or something. And I was going to be, yeah. that's going to be the cliffhanger for the season, you know. But I had, but that, we I had that fear too. I was yeah. glad they didn't do it. But <laughs> I, I do have a sneaking suspicion that she's, in a sense, she's not alone because there are certain, certain, uh, things in Superman mythology that could uh, could very easily sneak their way uh, their way through. So it'll be interesting to see what they do now that she's she's around. Yeah, um, Ryan, you were saying before. <laughs> yeah, my apologies. Uh, I had to turn my phone use use my phone as a mobile hotspot because naturally my Wi Fi dies the moment mm. I'm asked a question. Um, so uh, as I recall, you're just asking like kind of what we didn't talk about yeah. but uh yeah um i just want to make a, a quick point that uh they're they're kind of having it both ways to smallville um like they, they threw a couple of hints out like they said like lana mentioned oh weird things like this haven't happened since you know i was a teenager here in small here in smallville like suggesting when clark was younger like the meteor rock was maybe playing havoc with things uh, um supergirl had a mission of chloe once although that was pre-crisis so who knows what got um uh, and i've already it. said there could be been another chloe on yeah, another absolutely. earth that's a different sure. person than the one yeah, from smallville my point is that there are the walk in the line they can have it both ways if there's even mission pete uh i think lana or no 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 clark said pete knew his secret uh before um lana did or something like that uh he mentioned mentioned that as i recall um so i i just i kind of like that uh but i something that to the best of my knowledge, I'm not an avid Superman reader, but something that the show also did, which I thought was pretty clever, is Clark mentioned his anger, his rage, and how he has it. But he has, it's like he's, I never realized just how much of a control freak uh, he is. But it makes sense because, like he pointed out, he doesn't get a do over with his power, one simple mistake, and he's, you know, damned forever. There's no coming back. So he, he, things like, you know, where it's, we can say, oh gosh, you're just having a bad day. Superman doesn't not get to have a bad day. Clark doesn't get to have a bad day. And I thought that was such a, a, a fresh and interesting take. And I, I kind of hope they would explore that a little bit more. Or maybe they are in, in the sense of Jordan, because he's learning uh, those same um, techniques that, that Clark did. Like that scene where um, Jordan's on the football field and he says he can't hold it anymore. Uh, he's about to shoot lasers. And Clark says, let it go, let it go. And he, you know, he lets uh, Jordan fire you know, his heat vision into his, the palm of his hand. And that was a very touching scene me I, I thought that was a very powerful scene that showed just how much love uh, clark has for his sons um but that being said my favorite scene in this entire season uh and it just encapsulates tyler hoakland uh, superman hoakland hoakland's superman was uh in the flashback scene where he first shows up in that 1950s uh outfit with the black uh shield and you know that the kid goes cool outfit and he goes thanks my mom made it for me. <laughs> and I just, that's when I felt, I, I liked him from Supergirl, but that's when I fell in love with him and this iteration of Superman because he was so sincere yeah. and it was just so genuine. And I just loved that. Yeah. Every time we got flashbacks to his early days, because there's also the one where Edge is like probing his memories and stuff. And we see some of that. Like, I love, I love all of the early stuff, him at the Daily Planet, you know, uh, interacting with Lois in the beginning. All of that stuff was great. Like how nerdy he is and uncomfortable, socially <laughs> awkward, but like still so sincere and nice. It's just like, I love him. Um, 
But yeah, I think that I've said this before. Anytime you think of Superman as a character instead of a symbol, you have uh, interesting storytelling possibilities. Because there are people who don't like it when you start dealing with Superman as a character. It's like, he is just hopeful and good and everything. And you didn't want to scratch the surface and talk about things like what you're talking about, Ryan. That like, He's got to be, he, he has to have emotions like we do. And he has to have anger. You know, there are people who are just like, no, I don't want to conceive of Superman with anger, but that he has to deal with it. And that's why I've said in the past, like, you know, Grant Morrison said recently that Superman, like uh, going bad is like, not like a storytelling, like, like it doesn't make sense. You know, like people close to him die, he would go bad. And I'm like, when you think about how tightly restrained this guy has to be that, once he has like a severe emotional trauma, I could totally see him going just snapping, you know, because of that. And then once he started, it's like once he loses that control, it's kind of like it's 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 done. Right. And so anyway, all it takes is Lois loving another guy. That's literally all it takes, you know, and then he goes evil. <laughs> all right. So so I mean, again, it doesn't mean it has to happen that way, but I think there's interesting storytelling and there's interesting character dives you can do once you start scratching the surface and saying, like, okay, what is the psychology of a guy that does what Superman does uh with the powers that he has? Um, but yeah, so Ryan, since we're already talking with you, how about uh what do you want to see at the uh in in season two ooh, um more steel um I, I i did like um i don't necessarily like the idea of him wrapped up to the dod I, i'd rather him do his own thing so uh and obviously natalie is going to be very interesting where they go with that i do feel like they can do some very interesting stories where natalie keep like imprints upon lois you're my mom but no you're not my mom and lois is like this is weird I mean, I can see myself in you, but you know, you're not my daughter. And then obviously there's the the twins with this sister, half sister that they never knew they should have had, but didn't have. So that's going to be very interesting. Um, I would, but all in all, uh, I honestly, I want, I know it's lame, but I want Lex. I want mm-hmm. to see this particular Lex with this Superman because they've already got the history and uh, frankly, John Cryer as Lex Luthor has just been phenomenal. And so the more of him I can get, uh, the better, and especially in, in, with this setting with this Superman. So, uh, definitely that other than that, um, yeah, just, I mean, I think they've got a pretty winning formula. I wouldn't go too much into the greater CW universe. I feel like bringing Diggle in was, uh, um they could uh, have been awesome they chose awesome. for it not to be awesome yes. it wasn't <laughs> yeah it wasn't it could have been and it really I, I had read uh way back in the day that um john ramsey was joining the series but that was i think when they were talking about being set in metropolis and i thought that made kind of perfect sense but obviously that's not i speculated that because Diggle was talking about moving to Metropolis, that maybe he would be on the Superman Lois show, not realizing that that show was going to move to Smallville. So it was never an official thing. It just seemed like that made sense because I'm like, Diggle's story isn't over, obviously, because of him, you know, finding the green glowing light. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But so I'm like... It took our rings. So there's that, you know. (laughs) Was it in the it was in the this it was in the Superman Lewis episode, right? Where he said something about something about a ring and he even mentioned a ring. 
um was it in this one or was it the batwoman i don't remember which episode it was i don't remember him mentioning a ring yet that's the thing like it's like they keep teasing that something's going on but we're not going to explain (laughs) so the supergirl diggle appearance better be like a massive like diggle should dominate the whole episode of supergirl to get in all the story they need to get in (laughs) because otherwise like the but the superman lois one felt the most trivial of all his appearances so far uh because he's just kind of there to be like making a delivery all right you know at least you know in batwoman he spawns another hero and in the flash he's at least hanging around for the whole episode but superman and lois is just kind of like eh. hey guys bye <laughs> all right um and uh tom what would you like to see in the next season i second ryan's request for lex because i'm a big fan of crier's lex he takes the best of all the previous incarnations. He's got, he's got the playfulness of the Hackman. He's got the malevolence of the, um, of the Rosenbaum. And then, and, and then he kind of does his own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd also like to see Brainiac. Because mm. we know that Brainiac can be done well live action thanks to uh, Krypton season one. And... Uh, it would be kind of interesting if Brainiac is the reason Luther or if Luther and Brainiac do one of their, you know, notorious team ups, um, whatever the, whatever the big arc is, it needs to make sense. And it needs to, you know, take some time to explore the characters and, you know, let's have some kind of, they should have some kind of cameos at least from some of the other heroes of the different shows, especially since realistically, Next year will probably be the last for Legends and The Flash, so we should we need to have at least a Superman Flash team up slash race before Flash goes off into the twilight of television. All right, Beth. I would love to see Jonathan becoming the the tech heavy hero to to. Like, like to hold his own next to his brother Jordan because I mean we've seen that you know Jordan's got the powers and Jordan I mean Jonathan doesn't but but the time that he was spending with with Steel I think it makes perfect sense that he would take on the um, the techno- technology side and become like the new Batman perhaps not exactly Batman but you know the, the tech based you know pursuit of justice and all that all that good stuff. Um, I don't really have an opinion on like what villains could show up. Um, the Lex that we have in Supergirl is great. So if we had a Lex, yeah, that'd be my pick. Um, but as far as other villains to bring in, I really don't know. Oh, the other thing I wanted to mention um, with Natalie showing up, um, my, my first inclination was to be like, shenanigans, your reality is dead. But if, if it really is her, then I, I want to see a lot of good scenes with her and Lois, you know, understanding that, you know, they are, aren't, you know, mother and daughter, at least in this reality, but still maybe maybe uh, Natalie is craving that maternal relationship from her and maybe Lois giving into that because she was going to have a Natalie. And of course, we know that that didn't come to pass. So I... I I'm very interested to see how that would go. And I just want more of the show in general. It's awesome. 
You know, I do think it's weird after four seasons of Arrow of Diggle complaining that he had had a daughter and then Barry changed it to a son that we didn't at all comment on the fact that Lois and Clark's child from pre-crisis like is evaporated out of the universe. And now that and it's like, yeah, they got twins now, but it's like there was a child that was like eradicated from the timeline. And when she's bringing up the miscarriage, I was like, it's okay. So you had a miscarriage, but like, there's also this whole other kid that you did in fact. Have. Now we don't know that Lois was ever given her pre-crisis memories, but we know Clark does. And it's just, again, it's kind of weird that like, nobody ever mentions that, that like pre-crisis, you had a whole different kid. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so. Um, what was the name of that kid? I can't remember. I can't remember the name of the kid either. <laughs> I have to look it back. I was trying to remember if it was Natalie, but I, I can't remember. But no, yeah, they had. a boy. Was it a boy? Okay. I see. I don't even remember if it was a boy or a girl. Boy. Okay. Yeah. So, um, but, but yeah, I mean, just, just bringing that up for the diggle angle on that, but like, um, but yeah, as far as moving forward, I am really kind of leery of Natalie showing. Cause I thought we were kind of going to get over this like uncomfortableness and it seems like they want to like ratchet that down. And I feel like they keep trying to get in the way of my family, like my small town family <laughs> drama that I want to watch. <laughs> Yeah, and it's, it's like we've got enough uncomfortable family stuff on the flash with the incestuousness of adopted siblings you know they both see joe as their dad but they have a relationship it's just like i'm it's already weird uh i don't need weird stuff uh here with uh choking this up but um i don't know so far, I like the writing. I'm pretty sure they'll pull off whatever it is that they're trying to do. I hope Natalie doesn't turn out to be some sort of evil alien or something, although I have worries about that, too. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. This is, ironically, because it's a show that um, doesn't have a lot wrong with it, I don't have a whole lot of suggestions for the next season. I'm just fine with them continuing on what they're doing. And I've already said, like, the things that I... You know, like, 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 I like the fact that one kid has powers and the other doesn't. And, you know, I like, you know, certain aspects of this and that. And I would like them to stay that way. But I mean, otherwise, it's kind of like, and even if they decide for Jonathan to have powers, I mean, at some point, that's fine, too. But I don't feel like they're, they, they have to follow the comics. Uh, especially like if you consider like Black Canary as an example of something that they never followed anything like the comics and her whole relationship with Oliver or any of that. So, um, you know, it's an adaptation. They can do whatever they want. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's that's it for our Superman and Lois. Um, so let's say our goodbyes and let people know where they can find us online. So let's start with you, Eric. You can find me on twitter uh very easily it's just at eric Radcliffe, my name uh on instagram i believe i am one of these days i'll remember this properly <laughs> uh what is it how do i look that up oh uh e riddler 87 uh you can check out my awesome web comic at newcomicday.net and why i love comics podcast at any and all of your podcasts I believe. I know at least Stitcher, iTunes, uh, RSS feed. <laughs> I don't know where else the podcast is. Hopefully everywhere. Everywhere you can get your podcast, it should be, I think. Unless I have to do something to fix that. <laughs> All right, Beth, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? 
Uh, you can find me on Etsy and Facebook under the name Mrs. Whiskers Studios. That's two S's back to back because I have an alarming lack of foresight when I named it. Um, and that's pretty much the only place you can find me. So, yeah. All right. And Tom? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BlurredPhD. And Ryan? Uh you probably can't find I mean, I'm there, but I'm quiet. Uh, you can feel free to check out my website, geekstranger.com, um, because 2009, 2019 reviews are so relevant. Um, uh, <laughs> otherwise, yeah, just I'm hanging around Facebook and uh, just follow me here on this podcast, the 42 uh, cast. And um, I would like to say I'll be at DragonCon this year, but alas, no. So DragonCon 2022, you can find me there. <laughs> all right eric beth tom and ryan thank you so much for being on the show thank you thanks for having me always good to be here that's it for our superman and lois episode we hope that you liked it and you can let us know if you did in a variety of different ways one way is to email us at everything at 42cast.com another way is to tweet to us at 42cast another way is to go to our facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast you can also contact us on Instagram as 42cast or go to our website at 42cast.com. You can also leave us reviews on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. Like I'm always saying, Apple Podcasts gives us more bang for your buck because the more reviews we get there, the more we show up on searches. And so that's just helpful to anyone who wants this show to succeed. You can also go to the ESO Network Patreon if you would like to contribute to the show. That's a place where you get different rewards for different tiers. It helps all the shows on the ESO network. So you can find that at patreon.com slash ESO network. You can also find me on two other podcasts. One is Time Streams, where my friend Juliet and I are talking about Doctor Who from the beginning. You don't need to buy any of the episodes. We know how hard it is to afford Classic Who in the States. And so we describe everything important that happens in the story as part of our discussion. But definitely, if you want to follow along with us, have the means to follow along with us, you'll get more out of it. The other show is Legendary Forces, and that's where Juliet and I again, but also joined by Corey, Ashley, and Joe, are going through all of Star Wars fictional media from the beginning. We are not only rating the material as we go through it, but we're also talking about the sort of expanding idea of what is Star Wars canon, how ideas sort of percolate throughout various Star Wars media. And so that's it's, it's kind of discussing Star Wars as a whole, but also then discussing a very specific thing about Star Wars. And it's kind of fascinating to me because even though a lot of that stuff isn't canon anymore, it's kind of interesting to see what thoughts people had back when there was only one movie. Like, what kind of stories were they telling? What kind of assumptions were they making when they just had A New Hope to go on? You can check that out if that sounds interesting to you. In other news, Beth and I have caught up on The Expanse. Well, I should say up to season five of The Expanse. Season 6 is currently airing at the time of recording, and probably when this one drops, it'll still be airing. But we're going to wait until Season 6 finishes so we can just binge it. It's only six episodes, so we don't have to wait long. We're also watching Star Wars Visions right now, which is the uh, anthology series where different anime creators are just doing one episode. And so it's neat to see all these different Star Wars stories, but from a Japanese perspective. The only thing that upsets me, you know, I haven't enjoyed all of them to the same degree, but the one thing that upsets me is, like, a couple of them, it's like, wait a minute, I want a whole series of this one, I don't want it to just be one episode, 
because there's a lot more to tell with this scenario, I think. So it'll be interesting to see what they do if they do spin any of them off into a complete series or if it will always just be an anthology show. I mean, even if it stays an anthology show and they do extra seasons, they might, as one of the episodes in a season, take one of the prior season's stories and do another story there. So who knows how that's all going to work out, but we've been enjoying that. We'll probably get back to Continuum at some point, but I know we want to watch Lost in Space and Hawkeye also, so it's a lot of stuff to watch right now. And then, of course, the Orville comes back soon as well as all the CW shows are going to come back soon, including Superman and Lois, and Naomi's going to start, and so it's going to be, uh, you know, a lot of stuff for us to watch here starting in January, so going to try to catch up with as much as we can in December. But yeah, I mean, that's it for us right now. Join us back next week when Patrick Stewart will not be joining us, and until then, this is Nathan, signing off. You have been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2021 got a question for the ultimate answer contact us at everything at 42 cast.com theme music is sharper swords by brandon ellis check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com the 42 cast is a proud member of the eso network has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.